Pod back another episode. Uh, we are in the middle of our previews for the 2023 NFL season. Thursday pods, uh, which I guess are Friday for you guys. Gotta get used to that again. Uh, Friday pods for you guys will be our college football previews. We did the ACC on Friday, last Friday's pod. Uh, we started off the NFL ones last week, but the whole crew is back together. Vito and Scotty, how's everybody doing? Good. Uh, I didn't tell you guys the story yet, but I, I got a little one for you. I, I started hitting the gym a lot more recently, right? There you go. This trainer thing, got it going. So my move is it's early in the morning, like 530. So what I do is I put a little cup of water next to me and I have a little scoop of C4. So I make myself some, a little C4 pre-workout, drink it so I don't fall back to sleep and I'm up, right? Dude, the other day after my first rep at the gym, just threw up all of the C4 water out of my body. And, and everyone thought I was like hung over because they've seen me there hung over before, like this training thing. And I wasn't, they took it so easy on me, bro. It was like the nicest thing. I was like, no, I'm actually legitimately fine. And I was like, wow, this is bad that like, I'm known as the hungover guy at the gym. And they were just like, oh yeah, he threw up that one time. Like, no, it was because the C4, They're like, oh, because of the C4. And I'm like, God damn it, dude. So I'm about to change gyms, but everything's going pretty good besides that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you're hungover and in the gym, like you get mad respect. There is 0.0% yeah. chance that if I'm hungover, I'm going to a gym. Amen, brother. Yeah. I'm doing a 12 ounce curl after I'm hungover. Uh, <laughs> nothing, no. nothing to it, but to do it. The only, the only thing remotely athletic I can do hungover is golf. And that's only because I usually have to start drinking immediately. If I have a morning tea time. Oh yeah. There is no, See, this guy gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. Had a good weekend. Went to uh, went to a Nationals. Uh, my my San Francisco Giants are in town in Washington D.C. I got to hang out with Jeff uh, and his lovely girlfriend Hannah and my wife Sung. Uh, we had a good time. The Giants got absolutely obliterated because Destroyed. they forget how to play baseball when they come to this the the nation's capital. Um, and you know, but it was all in all a good time. I had two uh, two baseball bats full of beer. Uh, yeah. and a couple others on top of that. So it's a good time. Thank yeah. you, bud. It was it was one of those things where like I saw someone walking with the beer bat. And so when I was like, all right, well, now I have to go do that. And Scotty had already gone back to the seat. So I went over and bought two, one for me and one for Scotty, only to show up and see that Scotty had just purchased one of his own. So Scott ended up having to drink both of his uh of his beer bats but they're you know what's good whenever you get those like helmets or like the little like cheesy things in your kid and you're like you want to keep the helmet that the ice cream came in like you're going to use it like a bowl or whatever it gets thrown out almost immediately mm. this is one that i actually think we might be able to get some legs out of scotty because we're supposed to be or the plan is because scotty's birthday is coming up so the plan is for us to go out there and, and spend a lovely uh lovely weekend with scotty and his his uh, bride sung um and i think if that happens between your two bats and maybe i'll bring the, i just feel like they're going to be used they're going to be used because you can't put them down either bat. yeah you, yeah play t- 
it'll just be you and me playing dizzy bat let's be honest. oh no sung's a, a champion uh dizzy bat player she really beats our, uh, our good friend james once on the beach i mean not just beat him absolutely crushed him oh it's right you tailgate t- yeah oh that's a that's a tough alfred sorry james yeah sung's an, a- <laughs> sung's an athlete we say that all the time sung's an athlete um so yeah we got a great show lined up for you guys boys are doing good we're buzzing um and I'm excited uh, because we're doing the AFC North and the NFC North, and there's a lot of fun storylines. But uh, before we get into that, do at least want to mention Brian Harmon um, wins the uh, 2023 Open Championship, um, won it in absolutely decisive, dominant fashion. Only the fourth ever lefty to win a major, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Mike Weir was the first in 2003. At, uh, at Augusta and then Bubba has won twice and then Phil. Yeah. So those are the only ones. And then Brian Harmon joins that group. Uh, Brian Harmon for me is one of those guys that I've made a good amount of money on betting before. So even though I had no real like affinity for him, I just think of him as one of those guys that's won me money. You know, it's, it's like when you, uh, when, if you have like a group of five team, like Vito, I'm sure you have one of these teams, like a Toledo or a Kent State or something like that, that you, you for whatever reason, San you Jose bet on them. State. Yep, there you go, yes. right? San Diego State, some of those schools that you just know, you just love because they've won you money, uh, even though you have no real yeah. connection to them. That's kind of how I always felt about Brian Harmon. Um, he's, look, he's not the most exciting champion. The whole thing was kind of a dud. Uh, but credit where credit's due, I mean, 47 out of 47 made putts from 10 feet and in is an absolutely absurd putting stat. Uh, I believe he broke the record for the Open Championship for the least amount of putts. He only had 106 putts over the course of the four wow. days. Um He's 114th on the tour in total distance, so he doesn't hit the ball super far. But what he does is he puts the ball into the fairway. He gets it onto the green, and then when the putter's rolling with his spaceship of a putter, because I don't know if you guys saw that thing, but it's enormous. Um, he's got this giant putter. He's rolling putts in. The dude was electric. He even hit like a 35-footer on Sunday um, uh, that I thought had no chance of getting in that he rolled in. So Brian Harmon, man, shout out to him. Uh, all right. With that, let's dive in. Uh, we have two divisions we're tackling today in the NFL. We're doing the AFC North and the AFC or the NFC North as well. So the two Norths, uh, we're going to start with the AFC North. Again, shout out to our friend uh, is J- JT, right? JT. Yeah, Jordan shout out to our friend. Shout out to our friend JT for uh, for reminding us that we did over under win totals um, last year, and that's how we broke it up. So that's how we're going to do it uh, again moving forward. Uh, you can glean what we think based off of our uh, total wins from last episode. Um our last preview, but we're going to start off with the team that's been the best team in the AFC North for the last couple of seasons. They were in the Super Bowl two years ago. They were in the AFC Championship game last year and a uh, Patrick Mahomes drive and some questionable uh, officiating away from uh, potentially being in the Super Bowl once again. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals led by Joe Burrow. Um, absolute stud, one of the top three to four quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I think you would kind of have to put him up there. Uh, and this team, the window. So when I think about Cincinnati Bengals, it's interesting because I saw a headline on ESPN today about it as well. The, this team is on a pretty short timeline right now uh, because not only are they going to have to pay Joe Burrow, but they're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. They're going to have to pay T Higgins. 
Uh, they have not had the best offensive line over the last couple of years. They have a fantastic skill position group. Um, they've invested in the offensive line this year, adding Orlando Brown uh, and improved play from Jonah Williams last year. Lyle Collins still on track to maybe end up playing at some point this year. Uh, it would be more likely missing a few games. Uh, and then the defense is honestly what has helped keep them in games against the Kansas City Chiefs over the last couple of years. I'm really excited. I like this team a lot. They've been super fun to watch. Uh, what do you see as realistic expectations for this team in a division that looks like it's being set up to be one of the better ones in the NFL? Yeah, I think this is like top to bottom. Uh, both of these, the NFC and the AFC North, are are the most improved uh, divisions in the offseason. Um, and I think the AFC is just a, a bit more improved than the NFC even. Uh, I, I really think it all comes down to <clears throat> to the defense. Uh, that offense, we know how good it is when it's clicking. Joe Burrow's healthy. The offensive line is is good, all of that. Um, even when they were bad last year, Joe Burrow was cooking up. Um, and when they were good, they were really good. Uh, that offense was really good. So I, I, I don't see that uh, making a misstep. Um, a couple of key additions on the, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think they got uh, DJ Turner uh, at corner, Nick Scott, who was with the Rams, former Penn Stater. Uh, shout out. He's, he's going to be playing safety there. Um, and, and I think those, those depth, that depth along the, uh, on the defensive side of the ball is going to be super helpful. And I think it, it carries the day. Because uh, again, I, I know we know what their offense can do. We know how good they are, um, especially bringing Joe Mixon back. Um, I think adds uh, their off makes their offense that much better um, than it was if he had, had, had ended up walking in the offseason. So the defense, you're right, I think is the the 100 the key for this team. So for me, I think I think that obviously the division, like Jeff said, is going to be a lot harder than I, I don't know people think. But like Cleveland finished last place and they also now have a quarterback that's starting full time. I, I think the divisional matchups are going to be tough for him, but I still think that the Bengals took a giant step up. And I think I would confidently say, yeah, Joe Burrow's that top five quarterback easily top three, probably. And with the weapons that they have and what they tried to do, at least with the offensive line again, like I, I'm just excited to see what they can do with another year of this. But I think we all, we all got to remember too, like, they came on late again because Baltimore right, had a hot start and then faded, you know, and had an injury like they had issues. So this whole division is way more up for grabs than people think. And who knows what's going to happen with Pickett. So uh, I don't know. I, I Bengals, obviously, I think I'm guessing are still the favorites, right, Jeff, to win this. Uh, uh, yes, they are still the yeah. favorites. But I think I, I would say that this is, if not the most, probably one of the most up there in terms of, uh, open divisions, who's going to win, you know? Yeah, I would agree. Really like do a spree of the NFC East for a little bit here where they like have a rotating winner for the next like eight years. I mean, I think the potential for the other teams in the division make it seem really, really juicy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are really, really high on Baltimore going into this year. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. I'm not saying that there aren't things to be excited about because I think with a new offensive coordinator that's going to spread the ball out and and be much more pass-focused, I think that could be really helpful for Lamar. And then you talk about some of the additions that they've made. 
I still, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know what to expect out of Baltimore. It seems like a year where they would bounce back and they'll end up being like a 12 or 13 win team because that's kind of what they've always been with John Harbaugh. But they could also end up like eight and nine. And I, I don't think I would be that surprised either. You know, and I think Cincinnati's kind of in this thing where it's like, all right, we've seen two very consecutive years of good, consistent football. Remember, Cincinnati struggled out of the gates last year and then became the best team in football from like the end of October until they played the Chiefs and and got bounced by the Chiefs in the AFC championship game. I think since and remember the ass whooping that they put on Buffalo too in the playoffs, like Cincinnati is a team that has a ton of confidence, has a ton of weapons, has what should be an improved offensive line. And they've held together pretty much their entire defense from last year. There's a few guys that they've lost, um, but they also have some young guys who are going to step up and hopefully, hopefully take the next step. A guy like Dax Hill, who was a early second round draft pick for them out of Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan battle. Same thing. Um, Now they did lose two of their uh, starting safeties uh, in the off season. Um, But again, Two young guys, Jordan Battle, Dax Hill, Nick Scott, who's the projected starter right now, strong safety. We'll see if Jordan Battle, the rookie out of uh, Alabama, can uh, can make a push there. But Trey Hendrickson's been a stud for them. DJ Reader's been a stud for them. Sam Hubbard's been a stud for them. They have depth along the defensive line. Like I think this team's going to continue to pin their ears back and and get after teams. Uh, their defensive coordinator too is uh, Arazian. I always forget his name. The very Italian Lou. Yeah. Am- oh man. I was going to say it's like Lou Amoroso, but it's not. He's not named uh, after a, a bread manufacturer. Anarumo. Anarumo. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank he was someone who, like, after back-to-back years of this Bengals team causing fits for Kansas City and being one of the few teams that had consistently done that, he got one head coach interview all of last uh, offseason in the coaching cycle, which was very surprising. Now, part of that's defensive coordinators typically don't get swiped, but that's a dude who like knows what he's doing when it comes to running a defense. He's got a group that he's worked with for a couple of years. They're good at the positions they need to be good at. And the most important thing is they have Joe Burrow. Like they tried running a different, not a different offense, but they tried to have it be more Zach Taylor driven last year in terms of their play calling until about week four, week five. And they kind of handed a lot of the keys and responsibilities onto Joe Burrow for stuff. He's doing pre-snap getting more things of what he likes in there. And from that moment on, they became one of the best offenses in the NFL. And they're going to continue to do that because Joe Burrow is that good. Um, and obviously it's the leadership, it's the confidence. Uh, and look, Joe Mixon, he always seems to be a crapshoot, whether or not he's been healthy, but he's been pretty healthy for the last few seasons now. The only thing is they lost some of their depth at the running back position. There is no more Samaji P. Ryan. Um, but you have Joe Mixon. Well, they, they drafted had, one, right? Uh, yeah, Travion Williams um, they drafted. Uh, so, like I said, Chase they're, yeah. and Chase Brown. Sorry, Travion Williams was uh, – I had them backwards. Chase Brown, who is currently listed as their number two running back. Uh, I don't know. I just – I like this team. This team is like – there's a level of consistency that this team has shown over the last few seasons that is starting to like, even before Joe Burrow got hurt, like it was, I felt like we started to see it, you know, and now with how good this offense has been, I think getting better along the offensive line is a huge win on their part uh, going out and getting Orlando Brown jr. I'm very high. I'm very, very high on the Bengals, but we know how the AFC North operates. 
it's always tough, whether you're playing the Bengals, whether you're playing the Ravens, whether you're playing the Steelers, you can even throw in the Browns sometimes, especially the Browns of the last five years. None of these, these teams always, no matter how good one or the other is, always end up beating each other. And I think that is a really important key to looking at whether or not you're going to take the over-under on the total wins, right? If you're in a division, you know, if you're looking at like the Chiefs over-under, which I think is at 13 and a half, you know that you're basically getting at least five wins just from the fact that they're going to beat up on the rest of their division. You know, they might drop one to the Chargers, but it's pretty safe bet they're going to go five and one in their division. The Bengals, any team in the AFC North, you can't really say that to. So I think when you're looking at some of these over under when and win total stuff right now, they're at 11 and a half. Can Cincinnati get to 12 wins? I think they can, even if they end up going three and three in the division. I think they can too, because again, like just even having Orlando Brown Jr. There just like they didn't lose much and they gained a lot. It seems like in some key spots, even just the leadership there, like I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what they do. I have them over that. I, I think they're a 13 win and maybe this is the year they put it together in terms of like, don't start so slow. Um, and, and I, I mean, hell they could have a, they could have a crazy run where they, you know, if they get hot earlier, it doesn't look like they were going to stop last year to your point until they ran into literally the best team in football. And um I don't know, man. It just seems like they're a team that could, I don't want to say it out loud, which is bad, but have a actual like perfect season run. Like Joe Burrow seems like a quarterback that could handle that. You know what I mean? If there ever was one. Yeah. Joe Burrow, yeah. Joe Burrow kind of fits that mold. Um, all right. Well then, so here's also the other thing I want to do in addition to over under, I want you to give me how many wins you think that Cincinnati has. So I'll start. I, I have, I'm taking the over and I have them at 13 wins. I think they go 13 and four what, and I think they win their third straight division. What was the over under 11 and a half? Oh, yeah. I'm going to go. I'm on the over. <laughs> I'm over and I'm going to go 12. Yeah. That's where I'm at over and 12. I can uh, see you get more, but I have some wins going to some other teams in that division. So, and, and one, well, keep tough, in mind too, one, just, AFC's tough, man. That first place yeah. is tough. And so, uh, look, the the AFC North in their schedule rotation plays the AFC South and the NFC West, which arguably are like the two yeah. easiest divisions. And a team like the Bengals, you probably pick up one or two extra wins there uh, just because of the schedule. And that's what I feel. I mean, they're, they're home again. Starting, they have a really they, – they go strong out of the gate with Cleveland and Baltimore weeks one and two. But then it's the Rams, Titans, Cardinals, Seahawks, Niners. Um, in which case, I would expect them to probably win three or four of those five games. Um, Niners, obviously, would be tough at San Francisco. Seattle is another one that, like, I, I'm excited to talk about Seattle. We'll get to them in the future. But that stretch then where it's Niners, Bills, but then it's the Texans, uh, the Jags, another team I'm excited to talk about because if they keep progressing, they could be one of these teams in this mix. Um, they get Indy, they get Minnesota as they're across the, the other random team that they're playing. And then, yeah, they do have to play the chiefs, which is tough. Um, but definitely Week 17 of, against the chiefs I mean, on new year's Eve. Does it get any better than that? I mean, is this, so is the college football playoff or is that going to be the semifinals on new year's Eve again? Because it's new year's Eve for this game. So we're going to have dual action. I just want to wash in football new year's weekend. <laughs> I know, but those are games that you want to devote your full attention to. Like, I want my full attention to be again to be Chiefs Cincinnati on New Year's Eve. 
You know, I don't want to pay attention to anything else. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough when I have to tell uh, Hopefully Hannah. it's on the 30th. Hopefully it's Saturday. Hopefully could you be, get yeah. a full weekend out of this because New Year's is on a Sunday. That would be amazing. God. That would, yeah. Um, but it's going to be a tough sell. <laughs> it's going to be a tough sell to, to Hannah when I'm like, hey, yeah, we're not doing anything for New Year's Eve this year. She's like, wait, why? They're like, Chiefs, Chiefs, Bengals. Like, what are you talking about? Why? It's going to just could decide four. the one seat, dude. Are you kidding <laughs> yeah. me? I could decide the one seat. Yeah. I'm not going, going to, to fucking party, spider you know, kill. I'm not doing – no, fuck that shit. <laughs> Well, I'll host a party if people want to come, but I'm, I'm watching football. That's what I'm doing. All right. Uh, so we're all taking the uh, over. I, I'm a little fool. bit more. I'm a little <laughs> bit more bullish, bullish uh, than you guys are. Uh, t- next team, we reference them a little bit. The Baltimore Ravens. Um, this one is, again, this Ravens team is, is very interesting because they're coming off a very down year. That still had them almost make the postseason, which is crazy. They finished second in the division, but that's just kind of what we've come to expect with uh, with John Harbaugh and the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Getting a healthy Lamar back, who's paid, I think is very helpful, right? At this point, I think they're going to be far more inclined to uh, – they're going to have a much happier Lamar, at least. If, they, if nothing else, they're going to have a much happier Lamar than they've had uh, over the last couple of years. But – I still think there are plenty of concerns to be had about this team only because, and, and Vito, uh, Scotty and I were talking about this right before we hopped on Lamar Jackson's health is always going to be a question mark it, at this point in his career. It, it just kind of is. And for as much as we all love watching Lamar play, it has to be in, it has to be considered, you know, when, especially when you're looking at things like over like total win totals, like I think there's a good chance there's at least three games this year where Lamar doesn't play. And that's three games um, there right now. <clears throat> they're over unders at 10 and a half. That's at least three games potentially that you consider him not be there. And they could still potentially get to 11 wins even without Lamar. Um, but then how much is this Todd Munkin offense going to look differently compared to what they've looked like in the past, which Greg Roman and, and the, you know, the whole Munkin system, whether it's Art or Todd, they're just polar opposites in what they ask the quarterback to do. Uh, and Lamar's talented enough and obviously such a freak that he could end up being just as good regardless of what offense that he's running in. Not only that, I think that, um, like to your point earlier about his development, the passing, like if they're going to ask him to pass a lot more, Here's the thing about this team. If you look at the identity on the field, on the field, right? The player that's played the most is Mark Andrews. Like Lamar's been hurt. They've rotated running backs. The receivers aren't consistent. Like they haven't had the same receivers the last five years. So like in, and he's second actually in the last three years in terms of receptions, attempts, uh, um, and receiving yards behind, behind uh, Travis Kelsey. So he's been consistently there for them. The problem is that they don't have a full cast. So if you're going to open it up, you're going to have a lot of athletic safeties or athletic corners trying to double cover Mark and take him away and then like see what else happens on the outside. It's going to be interesting to see how Baltimore plays because they still have the running threats. I'm, I'm banking on, and I know this is glass half full, obviously, but Hey, it's, it's July. It's almost August. Like that's what we're supposed to be, I think. And for me, it's also them getting back Dobbins. I love J.K. Dobbins. If he's healthy, he can run like a bat out of hell. So I, I'm excited he's, to see well, what he brings. That's that's what? a huge problem. He's starting the year on the on the pup list because of his knee already. Well, um, is he yeah. really? Yeah. I mean, look, he's still not fully recovered from the knee injury of what almost two years ago. 
Um, and it was a, it was a bad one. I mean, he ba- he basically shredded everything in in your in his knee, and he had to get surgery at, towards the end of last season to basically go in there and do all the cleanup work. Um, and and you know we can say oh it's a minor cleanup surgery whatever it's like every time you're under that knife man like every time they're doing that they're they're shaving away stuff you know it's it's never good it's never good in terms of long term you know hope for these guys but you're right when J.K. Dobbins has been on the field he's been great uh, they mm-hmm. did go out and sign Melvin Gordon yeah. so now you're looking at like Gus Edwards Melvin Gordon you obviously have to include Lamar in that too and just because it makes such a massive difference in terms of what that you know what that running game looks like. It's the same thing with the Eagles. Like Kenny Gainwell is, doesn't have as, as many rushing yards and his EPA per play is like the highest of running backs over the last two years. And that's a huge part of that is because he's running behind that offensive line and he has Jalen Hurts there as well. So all of these guys are better players because of Lamar, but the running game is never going to be my concern with Baltimore, especially when Lamar's healthy. If this new offense is everything that it's cracked up to be, he might have way more open receivers. But there's still a lot of question marks about these guys who are playing there. I loved Rashad Bateman coming out of Minnesota. He was one of my favorite players of that class. I was really, really high on him. He's had trouble staying on the field. Um, And when he has been on the field, he's been okay. But he's also had very, very spotty quarterback play throughout the first two years because half the games, Lamar hasn't even been in, you know. Um, They – then I'll get to the big one in a second because that's one that I have my most concerns about. Yeah, they draft the rookie in the first round, Zay Flowers out of Boston College, who I loved. Huge speedster, I think will help replace some of the stuff that they really haven't had since they traded away Hollywood Brown. Even though Hollywood Brown drops everything and, and is, you know, a pretty overrated player, he you always had to respect his deep ball. And Lamar always threw a pretty decent deep ball. It wasn't top tier in the league, but at least with Hollywood Brown, like it was an option. And it opens up, as you were saying, a lot of that stuff from Mark Andrews over the middle. The Odell thing for me is the one that's like, are we sure Odell, after multiple ACL tears, didn't play at all last season? Um, I know he's this huge name. I know he's a guy that brings people in. I know even towards the end of his run with the Rams before, and like he was balling out in the Super Bowl yeah. before he got hurt. But think of, think of that was the last time we saw Odell Beckham on a football field was during the Rams-Bengals Super Bowl. And how much football has happened since then? How much just aging? and all? I don't know, man. Like, I hope Odell Beckham can, like, bounce back and be close to the player that he was earlier on in his career. But the numbers just bear it out. Like, go back to when he was in Cleveland. Basically, since he's left the Giants, he's either been hurt or just, like, okay, with the exception of, like, a four-game stretch with the Rams – and then he tears his ACL again, unfortunately. And even in L.A., you weren't asking him to be the guy. Like the last time he was the guy was in Cleveland. He was a role player in, in L.A. And yeah. now he's going to have to be wide receiver one. Like you can't expect Rashad Bateman to do it. You can't expect Zay Flowers to do it in his rookie year. Uh, Rashad Bateman in his second. Like that's that's not happening. He is the guy in that Ravens wide receiver room. It is, but I, but I think what they're hoping is that it'll be kind of like a Cincinnati light, right? Mm-hmm. Because like – like the gap between Spread Jamar, like yeah, yeah, like the gap between Jamar Chase and T. Higgins isn't like huge, but obviously J. J- Jamar Chase is like the guy there. So like you do and have, you have Andrews, a guy, yeah, but you have Andrews there, and then you also have Tyler Boyd on Cincinnati, and you'll have Zay Flowers here, right? So I think it's one of those things where it's like. The more open you can make the offense, the more we can spread the ball around, the more dangerous Lamar becomes with his legs, the more open guys like Mark Andrews will get. And then 
I mean, Odell is still Odell. Like people are still going to respect him, but you better like bet your money. Like the cornerbacks in this division and, and the NFL in general, like they love going up against guys like Odell, especially past their prime. Cause they're like, Oh, I watched you play when I was in high school, old man. Like I'm a shot. I'm going to shut you down. Like it's all of that kind of like bravado that kind of comes into playing quarterback and that, that confidence and swagger that cornerbacks love to have. Like they're going to talk so much shit to Odell. Um, but if this scheme, again, if the, if the Munkin scheme here is good enough to open stuff up for them, then I think there's a good chance that like all of these guys can be productive players. This would be a major like stay away from me in fantasy. Like I wouldn't touch a single wide receiver from the Baltimore Ravens in fantasy just because I do think the ball is going to get spread around that much. Obviously, you'd take Lamar and you would take Mark Andrews in a heartbeat. Um so, yeah, I don't know. I just – that wide receiver room, it's gotten a lot of attention. It's led a lot of off-season conversations about Baltimore. To me, like, what's going to make or break this team is going to be, first and foremost, Lamar staying healthy, um, the offensive line staying healthy, uh, Ronnie Staley looking at Stanley to have his first, like, full healthy season since, you know, because he got that big contract a couple of years ago, immediately got hurt. He was still kind of recovering and didn't play a lot last year. Um, but they have him, Kevin Zeitler at right guard. Tyler Linderbaum had a really, really good rookie campaign, the kid out of Iowa that everybody loved. Uh, he's locked down at center, which helps you so much. But I'm really excited for this defense. Uh, I, I love what they've done uh, in terms of like that, that linebacking room. That linebacker room is phenomenal. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, one of the most fun linebacker rooms in all of football. Uh, Kyle Hamilton in his second year was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft in 2022. I think he's going to have a really, really good second year. Marcus Williams can just consistently solid free safety, which is kind of what you want at that position. If you don't have like a game changer, uh, Rocky sin and Marlon Humphrey, obviously we know how good both of those guys are, particularly Marlon Humphrey has put together a stretch of really, really good runs. Um, I'm a little concerned about how much pressure this team's going to be able to generate. Uh, Odafe Owe, he's going to get his first crack at really being able to play consistently um, this year as a, as a true starter. Um, I was just looking on their roster, and I don't see – didn't they draft um, the kid out of uh, Michigan last year? Yeah, last last year, David Ajabo. He's coming yeah. back. Yeah. He's not, on, he's not listed on their depth chart right now. Yeah, he's, oh. he's behind Owe. Oh, well, ES, ESPN, spot. ESPN yeah. needs to update their uh yeah ESPN they, they does fired, not have, yeah, oh there the okay no I got him there I got him oh. there yeah okay there he is um sorry they they have their because they are technically running a three four but it's not gonna right. be a true three four um David Ojabo so he's another one that you would expect again he was like a top 15 pedigree type guy who unfortunately tears his Achilles but he did it. Remember, he did that early on in the draft process. I think he did it in like March or April. It was, con- it was, so, it was during, his pro day. Yeah. yeah, it was his pro day. So it's been a while, like so, I, and, which is, I think, a good thing for him because I think he even yeah. s- suited up for a couple games at the end of last year. But he should be full go. Um, so, again, if the young guys end up producing for them and they can generate pressure, I think that's going to help them a lot. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about this defense. I think that's where a lot of this is going to kind of make a break, especially playing in the AFC where you have so many good quarterbacks and week in week out, you're playing a team that could end up hanging 30 on you. Don't forget about special teams either. They got one of the best punters yeah. that's ever been, that's ever graced this earth in Jordan Stout, uh, <laughs> out of Penn true. state. Uh, <laughs> so he can flip a field, believe you me. 
Um, just stay out of trouble and, and stay. Uh, don't don't get hurt. Probably yeah. history. I was gonna say yeah, and like yeah. the the best kicker of all time, Justin yeah. Tucker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it's a great point, and that's where John Harbaugh got his start, man. He was special teams coordinator for the those Eagles teams back in the early two uh, thousands. Have you guys heard about this? The the fair catch rule going to twenty five. Yes. Yeah. And and I know we haven't touched on it, but the reason I want to just mention it is because Jim Harbaugh was like apparently leading the charge against this thing, against the league office and everybody. And apparently this is like a big Roger Goodell push. And uh, just want to throw that out there because to your point, we all love special teams. What makes football football. And if we see guys half-assing it down there, cause they're just all going to fair catch it. And the students in a college, I'm going to be pissed. Just throwing it out there for the, for the pod. <laughs> yeah. That's one that I could see uh, changing pretty quickly. I'm not going to lie. You know, there's always a couple of rules that they institute and then people like freak out about it. And then by halfway through the season, they like change it or it, it's there for one year and it gets changed. The, the problem for that though, is it is, it is a health argument. There's well, still the thing. They haven't shown any statistics that show it's a health. Like they, they have it. They NFL will not share the statistics that show why it is a health problem. Like, yeah. Are there more head injuries on those types of plays show the stats and they like, there's been a lot of arguments and they won't. And like from NFL coaches, because I think so they it's know like nuts. Well, that's what I was saying is like, I'm not sure if it actually does protect or make, make it safer. That's just their argument. And that's a tough argument to lose. You know, well, if like, you don't have that's the, that's the point is like, the yeah, if you don't have that, if you yeah. argue it, then we're going to make you look like an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the same time, yeah, it's like, oh, what? You don't care about, you know, player safety? Yeah. It's like, no, we do. It's just like. No, but you just cut four jobs that people get of being special team. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's the problem. I And for whatever reason, it does feel like the NFL. And I don't know if it's just because less time on kickoffs means more time on offense, but it's such minuscule amounts of time anyway, or just more consistent field position. Like if you I'd be curious, like what the overall numbers are like, obviously they'd be better you get the ball starting at your own 25 or you start the ball with your ball in your own 15, right? Like oh, how, those, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. the more opportunities you have there, the more scoring potentially. But again, I would think that those numbers are probably not a huge difference. Maybe they are. I didn't really get it. The one thing I will say is it really hasn't affected college because this rule has been in place in college for a couple of years now. It really hasn't affected anything about college football other than we just get less returns, which means less kick returns for touchdowns, which everybody loves to see. The one thing is that just because you can fair catch it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to. So there are going to be teams like Baltimore, I'm sure is going to be one of them who value kick returns and value. And and, and Belichick was always this way. It's a way to get an edge on some of their opponents. Um, All right. So let's go here. Uh, Anything else on the Baltimore Ravens? Any other signings, players you're excited to see? No, no, just, I'm just, just I'm, over I'm over. concerned about Lamar, uh, Lamar's health. Uh, you know, when he's in there, he's got, I think his record is something ridiculous, like 45, 45 and 16. That's second only to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and that's since, since Lamar took over at quarterback. So the, obviously that's key. We know that. Uh, the only other thing I'm concerned with is the depth on defense, not necessarily in the secondary, uh, but on the defensive line, apart from Lajava, there's nothing really that jumps out to me. It's pretty inexperienced, um, and that that could be a, a bit critical. We've seen uh, we've seen how much of an impact that has uh, over the past couple of years, especially with contenders. So uh, the secondary, I think, is in good shape. But the defensive line, if there's a couple of injuries, one one or two here or there, 
uh, you might uh, you might run into some trouble on the on the defensive front. All right, so let's do this. Over unders at ten and a half. Give me give me your pick and uh, how many how wh- how many wins do they end up with at the end of the year? I'm gonna go over, um, and I got them at eleven wins. Just a okay. simple, like to your point, I think you talked me into lowering the win total a little bit, Jeff, with the injury concerns. Cause you're right. I go in so rosy eyed right now that like, yeah, it's, you I love taking overs. <laughs> oh, dude. If you looked at the schedule and matched everyone up, I don't even think I have enough win. Like there's not enough losses to offset the wins in my. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to take the under actually I'm right at 10, 10 and seven. Um, they open up pretty favorably their toughest game through the first, uh, really seven weeks, six weeks is, uh, is at Cincinnati. Um, and until then they got, uh, a couple of tough games in the back half of the schedule at, uh, at the chargers, um, at Jacksonville and at, uh, San Francisco back to back. And then they play Miami in week 17. Those that's a tough, uh, little stretch there. Um, they also have to play Seattle and of course, uh, Cincinnati a second time. Um, and who knows what happens in their division. I think this is for almost a lot to be one of the teams that goes three and three in the division. Uh, and so I'm going to, I'm going to have them at 10 and seven, take the under on the win total. See, I ended up at pretty much the exact same mark that you did, Scotty, like going through it. And I was going to take the under, but I'm going to bet on something that might not be the smartest thing, but I'm going to bet on, Lamar Jackson staying healthy for this season. I'm going to bet on Lamar Jackson saying, look, I got my money. I'm now here to to prove to you guys like the MVP season wasn't a fluke. I think this team's going to play with a lot of confidence. I think running a new system, I think it's kind of like a shiny new toy thing. I think it's a very, very good chance that they end up having a big bounce back type of year because that's what John Harbaugh has just consistently done. Anytime there's been a hint of a kind of bad season, which for them is usually like seven or eight wins still. I feel like they're going to bounce back. This team won 10 games last year with Lamar Jackson missing six of them. Or actually, sorry, eight of them, I think. And they mm-hmm. still won 10 games. Now you're going to have, if I'm betting on it, a healthy Lamar Jackson. They have to win at least one more game than that last year. I have them over, and I have them at 12 wins right now. I have them at 12. Uh, but – I, I'll keep the door open. I do think there's a chance that this they, they could end up with the one seed because I do think Lamar Jackson is that special when he stays healthy. But I think if you get a healthy Lamar Jackson across the board, this team's going to be significantly better. Uh, all right, up next, let's go to the uh, definition of consistency in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Mike Tomlin still never had a season below 500. I think the stupidest, craziest stat, one of them that gets brought up every single year when we get around this time. Uh, And their line reflects that, right? Their line right now for their season total is eight and a half wins. (laughs) Now, these fuckers, they doesn't go right down the middle of that, does it? (laughs) No, because they know, right? They know. know. Now, (laughs) when we're looking at this Pittsburgh team, Again, like with 99% of these teams, the first burning question that I always talk about 
is how what kind of a step are we seeing for year two out of Kenny Pickett? Because what we saw out of Kenny Pickett last year was a dude who clutched up in some games that were ugly, gross football games and made some big time throws, closing out games, two minute drill style. What do you have like two consecutive? Do you have like three, two or three in a row? like mm-hmm. towards the middle of the end of last season, where it's just like, damn, like I remember there was a Sunday night game. I might've been a Monday night game uh, and Kenny Pickett find, found Najee Harris. Um, but Kenny Pickett needs to take another step, right? He was a late first round pick, but he showed more poise and promise out of a first year quarterback than you typically see. And I think part of that was because he had a lot less pressure, right? Because he was the first quarterback taken and he was taken 23rd overall or whatever it was, right? But that was the first quarterback taken, so it wasn't quite the same levels of pressure that you would see on a guy like Bryce Young this year, who has got much more uh, excitement and anticipation around him playing. Same thing with C.J. Stroud. And of those quarterbacks you see who go in the top five, Kenny Pickett was able to kind of skirt that a little bit and just go out there when it was time for him to play, and he played pretty solid. He honestly did. He won them a few games that they probably wouldn't have won with Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph, which I think is a huge plus for Kenny Pickett. They still have Najee Harris and my favorite, like probably like my favorite two team running back is Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Cause I love Jalen Warren. He was one of my sneaky guys coming out of the draft last year at Oklahoma state. I was like, this dude's a fucking bowling ball. He's so much fun. He was really, really good for them when Najee was banged up or to give them fresh legs or to bring him out on the third down. Uh, everyone fell in love with George Pickens last year. Deontay Johnson gets Amazing. broken off on a new deal. I love to add Allen Robinson to play out of the slot. Another, But again, Allen Robinson, tail end of his career, has struggled the last couple of stops that he's had. It was a huge flame out in uh, Los Angeles last year. But he was not a good fit for that system. And I think that's kind of why they both agreed to part ways. Another guy who's constantly bit by the injury bug. Love the tight end and Pat Fryermuth. They also go out and get Darnell Washington, who is the six foot eight behemoth of a man who plays football and just bullies people around, but also can catch everything thrown at him. Uh, love what they've done with the offensive line. Good investment in a guy like Isaac Sayamalu. Uh, I thought that was a really smart pickup to help solidify the interior offensive line. They draft Jeez. Broderick Jones uh, in the first round this year, who's a left tackle. Still not a great offensive line, but an improved offensive line, which honestly, at this point, if you're Pittsburgh, that is good. You're taking steps in the right direction. And a defense who has arguably the best one of, if not the best defensive player in the NFL right now, and TJ Watt, who, again, when he's healthy and on the field, he's an absolute game wrecker. Injuries banged him up last year. They probably have one more really high-quality season out of Cameron Hayward, uh, but they at least have some depth. And then a really fun secondary. They bring in the veteran Patrick Peterson uh, and then the rookie Joey Porter Jr., y'all's guy from Penn State on the other side. Mika Fitzpatrick continuing to do what he does. This is a fun, fun team because, you know, with Mike Tomlin, every single week's going to be a battle. There'll be like two or three games that like they're just playing a team that's way out of their weight class and they're going to get probably blown up by them. But for the most part, this team will fight in every single game. They'll be prepared in every single game. But. Can Kenny Pickett take that next step and prove that he's was worth a first round draft pick? I think he will. I mm. I think that he like not only the weapons we talked about, Pickens, who doesn't love for our youth showed he, what he can do, but some of the way that Pickett was making throws and in the situations, like that offensive line was not great. And if you watch the tape, go watch some of his like just his highlights or even like 
um, you know, when you can, can, you can YouTube like condensed games, right? Just all the throws that someone makes like 27 throws. And he didn't have that many. So it's easy to do. And yeah. you can go through and watch. And he made a lot to your point. Like he made NFL throws pretty consistently and didn't have massive rookie mess ups. Like you can easily say that Trevor Lawrence had way worse throws out there, more worse throws than Pickett did um, in his rookie year. I, I would argue that, but I also think that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a whole different breed. Uh, but Pickett, like, he just seemed to have that leadership. It seems to kind of fit Pittsburgh. And I hate to you, I feel like we, any generic white quarterback, we kind of make the, the comparison to Kirk Cousins. But I feel like, right, he's a guy who can actually go through and, and, and make all those throws that Kirk does and try and limit the mistakes. And that's kind of the model for him. But I think he's going to do it and on the defense. I think the pairing, this is going to be to me so fun. Patrick Peterson towards the end of his career, right? Like he's in his thirties and uh, he's still amazing, right? Still amazing last year, still killed it. And then you have Joey Porter Jr. Who's just learning everything. And he's going to be learning from Mike Tomlin. Uh, his dad knows a little bit about defense and Patrick Peterson and Pittsburgh and, and Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah. And like, you're, we're going to see this secondary, like, yes, the, the line's going to be great linebackers. I'm a little worried about the interior. We'll see what happens there. But this secondary is going to be so fun to see what happens because there's going to be games, you know, when they're like, oh, shit, you know what? Peterson, like, can't line up against this dude. He's got to have Porter Jr. take the speedy guy. But there's also going to be games where it's like, hey, we're running just straight cover two and no one's running past Patrick Peterson. He's going to just put his head in their, you know, right in their stomach and take him out. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. And I mean, good, great landing spot for Joey Porter Jr., who has I think from from a just physical tool standpoint was as gifted as any of the cornerbacks coming out in this year's draft. And yes, you get a future Hall of Famer most likely in Patrick Peterson on one side. And then you also get Mike Tomlin who cut his teeth coaching defensive backs. That's like that yeah. is his background. That's what he played in college. That is his bread and butter. Um, and I think there's not a ton of development usually that happens in the NFL, but I do think with a guy like Joey Porter Jr. that you invested that much capital in, I can see this defense, if if they invest in him the way that they should, I think, I think the Steelers' defense can be really, really solid next year. Yeah, I want to go back to uh, <clears throat> to your question about Kenny Pickett, too, mm-hmm. uh, to answer it myself, because, I mean, uh, you're right. All the all the intangibles are there, Vito. Um, all, all of what we saw on the field was, was good – game management, good decision-making, uh, especially in crunch time. But you talk about adding Allen Robinson, and he's going to play out of the slot. Like uh, you, They're not going to have to ask him to do as much. Kenny Pickett last year was one of the highest-graded quarterbacks outside the numbers, and deep, too. I mean, uh, he he had a 81.5 grade uh, outside left beyond 20 yards, uh, 95.7 over the middle, uh, which is the best in the, one of the best in the league, and 77 uh, an average of 77 outside uh, on the right side. So he's going to have Deontay Johnson and George Pickens work those outside games with. And, and you know, then you ask Allen Robinson to just, hey, go get us a first down over the slot, be a possession receiver like we know you can be. Um, I think that's going to bode really well for that offense. And, uh, and, uh, I, and I think Kenny Pickett does take that step this year. Um, honestly, on the, on the defensive side of the ball, man, like if, what a reload like they they reloaded all of their weaknesses uh last year and you talk about you know playing in the Bengals division if orlando brown jr doesn't work out and i don't think that that will be the case but you know say he doesn't in 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 cincinnati we've seen it before where high paid 
big name offensive linemen don't work out uh, quite as well as, as we thought they would, uh, especially early on in the year. That's a positive boom for this defensive line who will get after uh, Joe Burrow and the quarterback. And I think they play each other relatively early too. So um, I know they don't play them until later in the season, middle of the, middle of the pack, middle of the, I think it's week 12. Yeah. But yeah, man, in any case, I feel like they, they have reloaded everything on defense and uh, and it feels to me more like a, a an old school Steelers team, pretty good quarterback, uh, elite defense at all three levels, uh, really good running back, uh, and especially now one who can catch the ball out of the backfield and help you there, uh, and then a thumper on third down and Jalen Warren and uh, solid offensive line. Like this feels like an older type of Steelers team that we're they're more used to seeing uh, than we have in in the last four or five years at least. I, I, so there's a couple of things that are holding me back from wanting to take the over. What is a, that? I'm sorry. What's that? It's right now it's at eight and a half. Eight and a half. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Um, I really don't like that they still have Matt Canada running this offense. Yeah. I think he's done nothing. So but I, I really say, I just think he's done, even like when he got in towards the tail end of Big Ben and there was, it didn't really work. And he and Big Ben were kind of button heads for a few years. And then eventually it was like, well, Big Ben just doesn't have it anymore. The system will work with somebody else. And then you're like, all right, well, the system wasn't working that well because it was Kenny Pickett. He was a rookie and, he, and it looked okay. There was no consistency with this offense whatsoever. The quick passing game stuff that Matt Canada is kind of famous for, I don't think really works at this stage of the NFL. And I don't feel like they use guys like Najee Harris that good. I mean, the whole point of drafting a guy like Najee Harris in the first round is that you're going to get five years of him, and it feels like they've kind of wasted the first couple by not really utilizing him in the way that they could and or should. And I think a lot of with that a terrible O line, with <laughs> which does no run, that does not help. But one of the things you're supposed to do when you have a bad offensive line is run the football because at least you're giving a chance for those guys to get downhill. Now you're going to have a rookie left tackle who has to go up against Miles Garrett twice a year, right? Who's going to have to go up against uh, that Cincinnati offensive line. We talked about some of the this, this speedy edge rushers between Owe and Ojabo in Baltimore. I think it's going to be tough. And you look at some of the teams on this roster, they play really, really good defensive lines. They're playing San Francisco. They play Cleveland twice. Uh, they play Baltimore twice. They play the Rams. They play Jacksonville. Um, they play down the line a bunch of really, really good defensive lines with really, really speedy guys. In addition to all three of the other teams in this division have really good offensive lines. And yes, the Steelers offensive line is better. But you can't expect a rookie first-round pick and Broderick Jones to come in and be a stud right away and go up against Miles Garrett. Oh, yeah, what's that? Uh, week two. <laughs> After going up against Joey Bo- or Nick Bosa. Week one. <laughs> talk wow. about talk Good about experience. Welcome, talk about welcome <laughs> to the NFL. I mean, now, look, Nick Bosa typically lines up on the opposite side, but I would imagine they'll probably shift him around a little bit. Um, I, I say Amalo will help a lot just having a, a constant pro but like even so, say Mala was the fifth best offensive lineman in Philly last year, and that's not yeah. taking and anything that's, away. That's better than ninety yeah. percent of the NFL's <laughs> offensive lines. It is, <laughs> and but again, like I don't know if we truly know how good Isaac say uh, Isaac say Mala will be without Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey on either side of him. You know, that's a pretty good place to be in when you have those two guys 
uh, and a very offensive line uh, friendly offense. Right. Um, I have a hard time seeing them get over eight and a half this year. I think it's very, very likely that they get to eight and nine or probably like they did last year, eight and eight with a tie. Uh, is that what they did? Yeah, because they didn't get to nine wins. Yeah. They went eight, eight, and with a no, tie. No, that's what kept year, the uh, that's what kept the streak alive. It was eight, eight, and one. Oh no, they did. No, they went nine and eight. They went nine yeah, and no, eight. So they did it? get one over. Um, yeah, yeah. Was it two years ago against uh, Detroit? Yeah, it was, then it was two oh, years ago. That was it. It's all that running together now around the world. Yeah. So, <laughs> I trust me, man. I I would love to see the streak continue. I think it's a pretty tough schedule. It's not the worst schedule. If they had changed offensive coordinators, like if they had brought in like Byron Lefwich to become the yeah. OC, like that, and and fired Matt Canada, I'd feel way better and way more excited because they have skill guys that you like, um, and the defense should be solid. This team was terrible at stopping the run last year, one of the worst in the NFL. They did not solve that problem, um, so I think teams are going to be able to get after them again. Tough division to do that, and when you have to go up against Nick Chubb. Uh, twice a year and Lamar Jackson on the Ravens twice a year. So I'm going to, I'll start off. I'm taking the under, I think they get to eight wins, but I think seven and 10 is also a possibility for this team. So I counted seven wins when I looked at it, but I'm going over somehow because I'm not betting against Tomlin until the streak breaks. So I'm going to take, the I over. know. And that's what I wanted. I want to do. Yeah. That, but. This is purely with the heart and uh, my, my brain counted out seven. So I'm, I'm with you, but I'm not. <laughs> Todd, I think that defense, if they stay healthy, especially TJ Watt, who's had a share of injuries over the past couple of years, if that defense fully stays healthy as a unit, I think they keep you in enough games. Kenny Pickett is a 4,000-plus yard uh, thrower this year, and uh, I got him at 9-8, and eight, just eclipsing that. Just yeah. getting over. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I love your point there, Vito, about Patrick Peterson and Joey Porter because – It's going to be fun to watch because I see it going one of two completely opposite ways, right? It's either like the old guy helps bring the young buck along and they end up teaming up and it ends up working really, really well, or it's going to be a complete disaster. And they run into each other. Well, like, and Patrick Patrick Peterson ends up being because, like, I, we, you guys love Joey Porter Jr. at Penn State, but I've I've also heard both of you guys bitch a lot about Joey Porter Jr. off off Mm -hmm. air. Uh, and sometimes on air too, you've had plenty of things where it's just dumb bonehead stuff. It's like blown coverages and shit. And like last year, it was his best season ever. Seems like he hit that maturity bump. Um, and I hope that continues. And you know, Tomlin's not going to stand for any bullshit. Um, but Patrick Peterson's been on the decline now for three years. Uh, if he's got one more good season and him left, now's the time to, you know, to bring it out. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fun to watch no matter what. Because even when they've had Minka Fitzpatrick back there and stuff, like remember the game against the Eagles when A.J. Brown had three touchdowns against them and just it didn't matter. Even if you had Minka Fitzpatrick back there, like they were still getting lit up through the air uh, and on the ground. So we'll see. Uh, All right, last team in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns, which I would also include, which is why I think this is probably the most interesting division in football. because I have, I don't think anybody really has any idea what to expect out of the Browns here, right? Um, Kevin Stefanski did a really, really good job with his team when he first got there and getting Baker to a point where like Baker Mayfield was a borderline Pro Bowl quarterback. They won a playoff game, yeah. right? Like that was only a couple of years ago. Um, against the Steelers. <laughs> against the Steelers, blew them out too. Um, obviously, the Deshaun Watson stuff comes with a lot. Like there's just... There's a lot that comes with everything with Deshaun Watson. Um, 
And he's continuing not to, you know, shy away from his, you know, I'm fully innocent stance. There was a clip of him at training camp this week where he uh, he blamed the media and said, you know, the last year of his life had been tough because of this media driven narrative about him. And it's like, dude, I don't I don't think there's anything. The Poor baby. Doing. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I just don't don't have 27 women, women accuse you of of, uh, of of sexual misconduct. And uh, and then those things won't happen, you know. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, Deshaun Watson, when he played last year. Was pretty, pretty bad. Did not look good. Now, look, the guy hadn't played football in three and three, as a you know, starter. two, almost two years. It was clear he was rusty. There were still flashes of what made everybody think Deshaun Watson was like a top five to 10 quarterback when he was in Houston because he was that good when he was in oh, Houston. Top five easily. I mean, yeah. he was what he did to carry those teams was unbelievable. Uh, he was one of my favorite players to watch. I don't know how much of that guy's still in there. I don't know if we're looking at like a Mike Vick type of you know, away from the game for a couple of years and then comes back and ends up being, you know, comeback player of the year. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. When you take a couple years off, your body's not getting that same wear and tear. I just have no idea what to expect. I really, really don't. Um, but what I will say is Kevin Stefanski's offense is very quarterback friendly. Um, Jacoby Brissett played really well for them. As we talked about last week, you know, he's with the commanders. Now he played really, really well for them and won them a good amount of games. I think they finished with what eight wins last year. Um, they were not a terrible team. In fact, they were a very talented team who had uh, limits of what they could do at the quarterback position. And when Deshaun Watson came in, he didn't really elevate the position. They kind of stayed exactly where they were. Obviously, you have Nick Chubb, who is like the, the heart and soul of this offense behind a really, really good offensive line, which they will continue to have. So you're going to give Deshaun Watson time. You're going to give him a strong running game. You're going to give him a good offensive line to protect him, which is huge. The wide receiver room, the Amari Cooper trade last year was really smart for them. Uh, I'm excited. You know, I, I honestly, it's been kind of cool to see everyone kind of wrote him off. And he was like, watch me. I'm going to drop a thousand yards this year with Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett and the ghost of Deshaun Watson. Um, they also went out and made a sneaky trade to get Elijah Moore. One yeah. of those. Oh, yeah. I forgot that he's on the Cleveland Browns type of guys when I was doing my research and prep. Uh, he was someone who had tons of explosive plays and was an absolute lightning rod with the ball in his hand when he was at Ole Miss hasn't really gotten a chance to do that much he did not bow it was not a good situation for him with the Jets and then your boy Vito Donovan Peoples-Jones um that's a pretty solid wide receiver room right there yeah uh, you, you you bring back Njoku but I really do think where this team's bread and butter is the offensive line and their defense their defense looks to be stacked once again. Uh, obviously, Miles Garrett leads the way there. Zadarius Smith uh, was a great pickup on their part. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, one of my favorite names in all of football, uh, <laughs> and was a fucking stud his rookie year and was really good last year but when he wasn't uh, banged up. Really, really fun secondary room. Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, the second two young, really, really good cornerback. Though Denzel Ward's not even that young anymore, which is crazy. Feels like he just got drafted. Yeah, I know, right? But like like he's early draft pick. Yeah, yeah, he still feels like he's like twenty two or twenty three. But no, yeah, he's he's almost twenty seven now. And then Grant Delpit, Juan Thornhill, arguably one of the best secondaries in football, paired up with a really really good defensive line, which a secondary that underperformed last year too. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So it again, just like all these teams in this division in particular, with the exception of the Bengals. A lot's going to come down to what happens out of that quarterback position because the rosters of the Bengals or the rosters of the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers 
are all pretty good, right? I think this, the, the Browns arguably are the most talented out of those three teams, but their quarterback is a big question mark this year because if he turns into that version that we saw uh, in, in Houston, if it's that version of Deshaun Watson, then this team could very well win this division. I, I would not be surprised Pretty high at upside. All. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and that's going to be the key for me is, is, is Deshaun Watson and, and how he plays. And it pains me to say that because I never want to talk about this person on this podcast or in football or in life ever again. But, you know, the situation is what it is. I can't control that. He's on the field for the, for the Browns uh, and he's playing like he did in, uh, in the first few years in Houston, then that team is a, is a quality team uh, just uh, as, as the football player is. Um, I think uh, uh, some of the defensive, uh, some of the defensive uh, strengths for the, uh, the Browns will show up again. I mean, they just got Jim Schwartz came in as a defensive coordinator now. Um, And I think that simplifies some of the things that Jeremiah uh, Wusukoromoa does uh, you, you add some depth on the defensive end too, uh, as well. So you can slide Zadarius Smith under the inside. And now you're talking about one of the nastiest defensive lines, uh, in, in all of the NFL, uh, yeah. let alone this division. So, uh, I think, I think those are, those are the two things, man. If you, if you lean on your defense and, uh, and, and Deshaun Watson is playing at the level, the two concerns I have on offense are number one, uh, the, the wear and tear that Nick Chubb is going to have over the season because without Kareem Hunt there, he's going to be one, one a and one B uh, as the, as the back. Um, and two, if, if Deshaun Watson does not perform well or gets hurt or something, their quarterback depth is, is not great. Uh, Joshua Dobbs is there, is there two and uh, their draft pick uh, out of U, uh, UCLA who we love Jeff. Uh, yeah. We, love we DTR. Really explosive player Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, also didn't realize again, by the way. Didn't realize, brother, that Minnesota cut Kellen Mond already. He's he's their fourth string quarterback. Oh man, missed <laughs> missed that. Didn't see wow. that one wow. across the way. I've heard that but. name since like draft day. Yeah, that's yeah. Texas yeah. A&M's but, finest, Kellen Mond. So those are my two weaknesses for the Browns. Uh, well, three really, I guess. Well, no, two. I I, I had it right the first time. Uh, quarterback depth, uh, especially if Watson doesn't play well, and uh, and the running back room because you're going to ask. Nick Chubb to be doing a lot out of the backfield and it limits your offense too. Cause Kareem hunt, when you brought him in, did a lot of things that Nick Chubb cannot do for as good as Nick Chubb is. He's one of those pure runners. Right. And we always lauded that running back room. Cause it was like, Nick Chubb can run the hell out of the ball. And then you can do a, a lot of crazy stuff with your offense with Kareem hunt out of the backfield. Uh, Cause he was a great runner and, and an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield. So with that out of the offense, we'll see how it looks. Yeah, it's right. It was rare to have two guys who led the league in rushing in their own right be on the same backfield. Like that yeah. was incredible and very different styles to your point. What, what I think um, this team will come down to is, is like we, obviously the quarterback, like we talked about, and obviously you can get into the defense. <clears throat> More specifically, it's the secondary. It's what we talked about. These are some talented players and the Browns have invested in them. They need to step up and perform out on the field. And I know that's that's kind of just the – uh, black and white objective view of like, Hey man, you can't be giving up these big plays. You can't be giving up big drives. Cause I watched a lot of Cleveland football. I'm here most of the time now. Um, and listen, what I, what I can tell you is that they keep the games close, right? Defense would keep them in it. They'd run the ball. There'd be some questionable play calls. 
Uh, maybe that was just because I was around Browns fans and what fan base doesn't question play calls when they're yeah. not scoring points. Of course. But uh, <laughs> right? But I, I do think that it would be like, all right, we're going to run it twice and then take a deep shot. And it was like, what? This isn't a, this, the percentages here don't seem like the right move, but what I'm not, I'm no play caller. So like, I, I just think that less frustrating offensive play and longer drives, like committing to the run and going down the field over and over again, like they did for a while there in the beginning. And it's how they won some of the games with Watson when he was performing like shit. But, you know, what, what can they do on the play calling side in the offense? The wide receivers need separation. Like I love Donald Peoples-Jones. That dude needs to create more separation and, and make some catches. Like I'll, I'll be the first one to criticize him because I'm a huge fan of his. And like he, he needs to get that separation. And on the secondary, they need to limit these fucking huge plays they gave up, man. Um, that's that's probably what it comes down to for me is the outside. Because I think interior, right, on the defense, on the offense, like you guys said, they're set. I mean, they're that's a good team. And they've been performing pretty well there. So um, we'll see what happens with – obviously Deshaun and then these folks. And what did you, what did you say that win total was that for them? Um, uh, so I hadn't say yet. They're actually at nine and a half. That's so high. Which is high. I mean, they won seven games last year. I get it, but damn. But like on, really... pa- like on paper, they should be a double, like a double digit win team, but mm-hmm. they play in a really, really tough division as we've gone over. Um, even though they finished last in the division, their schedule is really not that easy. Um, I mean, they start off with Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, you got Tennessee, which is always going to be a dogfight, Baltimore, San Francisco. Like there's a world where the Browns start off. zero and five or like one in four, you know, and then at Seattle. (laughs) Yeah. At Baltimore, at Denver, at, (laughs) they got Jacksonville too. I mean, there's like four really confident yeses on their schedule right now, which are Indy, Arizona, uh, the Rams and Houston. Other than that, like, and they have Denver, right? Which, like, if if Russ is the same Russ as last year, which we'll talk about them in a couple weeks, like, I would expect them to, you know, be a a pushover team. But with Sean Payton there, I just know that team's going to be better than they were last year. Um, So I feel like that could be a game that they could easily slip up on. The Jets. We have no idea what we're going to see out of the Jets in week 17, yeah. right? Like, are, is it going to, are they going to be a playoff team? Are they going to be out of contention? Is Aaron Rodgers going to look like an MVP? We have no idea. Um, so for a lot of those, it's like, yeah, there's like four wins on here that I could be like confidently. And then you know that they're going to steal at least two in uh, the division. So that's like six. I don't know where else those other wins are coming from unless this team ends up being as good as we think that their ceiling is. Which, if their ceiling is a double-digit win team, which I think it is, but that also means that Deshaun Watson's playing like an MVP. It means that they have, like, all of their skill guys are healthy. Their offensive line's healthy. Um, I I love the Jim Schwartz hire, uh, Scotty, as you were saying, like, about him. The best thing you can do with Jim Schwartz is have a team that you don't need to blitz to be productive getting after the quarterback. Right. When you have to because Jim Schwartz loved blitzing when he was in Detroit, he's he's a blitz heavy guy. But when he was in Philly as the D coordinator, they didn't blitz a lot because they didn't have to because they had depth and a lot of talent on that defensive line. While there's a lot of talent in the starters, there isn't a ton of depth on the defensive line for Cleveland. Um, So one miles Garrett injury and then, you know, that defensive line seems a lot less scary. I'm not sold on Deshaun Watson being a big comeback guy. I'm taking the under. 
from nine and a half. And I think they go eight and nine, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Shocker. I'm going to take the over. Uh, I'm going to count out some wins here. I think they're going to be like Chicago. Um, obviously, like you said, Houston, the Rams are going backwards here, but then I, I haven't beaten the Cardinals. I haven't best saying Seattle. I think they could even be Indy with the rookie quarterback out there. So I, I think they have a chance. The Titans, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that they get 10 wins. And um, I, I'm betting on Deshaun, the secondary, and the wide receivers. Fuck it. But that, I, th- I think, is, is their ceiling. At the end of the day, it's 10 wins with this schedule. Like, is the best you're going to give me with the talent that's on that field? Forget it. And a quarterback who's coming out in July talking about the same shit that we were talking about in the last offseason tells me your mind is elsewhere. You're not on the football field this season. You're dead to me. Get out of here. Eight and nine uh, at best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they are just they're one or two key players away from becoming a very um, different football team. You know, Imagine if OBJ was their, their wide receiver three right now. Or yeah. in that wide receiver room. I mean, that, that makes this team drastically different. Absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. But like, if Nick Chubb goes down for five weeks with a hamstring pull, right? Uh, if Miles Garrett tweaks a quad, tweaks a pack, does something, right? And he's missing four or five games, they're just reliant on a couple of really, really elite players and they don't have a ton of depth behind them. And like, I like Jerome Ford. I love them at, at Cincinnati. He's a fun scat back. They're going to use him in different ways. Demetric Felton, when he had to come in on that thing, was a Monday night game a couple years ago and had like 150 yards in the second half. Like there are guys on this roster who I think can fill in, but to be a double digit win team, they really need all their core guys to be healthy. And um, and I, I'm kind of with Scotty. I mean, the fact that he's talking about this stuff still tells you that it's all in his head still. Like, I, I don't know what version of Deshaun Watson we're going to see. So uh, it'll be fun to watch. Probably, like I said, probably the most interesting or one of the most interesting divisions, maybe behind the AFC East in the NFL this year. So, uh, all right, quick break. We come back. We have the NFC North, Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota all on the other side. I'm going to switch over to the NFC North now. Uh, also a very, very interesting division, only because it feels and the, the over-unders kind of, uh, kind of line this out. No one really knows what to expect. Um, Scotty is very upset at all of the love that the Detroit Lions have been getting, despite the fact that their their over under is nine and a half, which is the same as Cleveland. So it's not like they're we're not. No one's out here saying they're going to win thirteen games necessarily. Uh, but I do think there's a, a good reason why they're the favorite to win the division. But as it stands right now, Detroit is the favorite at nine and a half over under uh, in terms of win totals. Uh, Minnesota right behind them at eight and a half. And then Chicago and Green Bay are both at seven and a half. And I think those two teams at the bottom are going to be a lot of fun to talk about. But I do think we should start with the Detroit Lions, because to me, the reason they're getting as much hype as they are and every team wants to talk about them and is because they're they're right now kind of on that classic athlete journey, but as a whole team, right? Like sports fans in America, we love underdogs. We love the teams that nobody likes, right? Like, we, we love that, right? And then what happens is, like, they have their – remember the game? I just, just popped up, uh, I think, last week after we were recording. I didn't feel so hot, so I laid down. And a, a recommendation on YouTube was, like, uh, every walk-off touchdown or whatever in an hour. So it was, like, every, like, walk-off type final play type game-winning touchdown type compilation. And the second one was the Detroit game that they won. I think they beat – who did they beat? Was it the, it was the Vikings. Um, 
and they won when they were 0-10 and 1 and they needed a win because they hadn't won a game yet all year and then they won on a walk-off touchdown pass. Um, we love that shit as sports fans. We love the underdog teams, you know, the ones that come out of nowhere and 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 either go for a run. And last year they took that next step. We saw them when they were shit. And then they got a little bit better, right? And then they almost made the playoffs and everyone wanted to. They came up a little bit short, but they beat the Packers on Sunday night football to end the season, the regular season last year. And now they're Which was starting Detroit Super Bowl. It was uh, for good reason. Um, again, if you had done the same thing and knocked the Seahawks out of the out of the playoffs, oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I would have been stoked. A hundred percent. Exactly. So, but again, now they're hitting that phase of like this athlete where it's like they were the underdog and then they had a little bit of success. And now everyone wants them to be one of these top tier teams. However, I would ask confidently, what other teams in the NFC are there like comparatively that you're that high on? You know, you have the Eagles. Well, you have the Cowboys, (laughs) the Niners. There's a lot to like, but also. Who the fuck is playing quarterback? Is Brock Purdy actually any good? Is he going to come back from the surgery and be really good? Is Sam Darnold going to end up starting more games than Brock Purdy this year? It's undeniably a massive question mark, despite how talented that team is. Seattle, I mean, we saw Detroit and Seattle play one of the best games of the regular season last year. Uh, so you look at those two teams. Nobody in the NFC South is any good. <laughs> right, and, and exactly. So it's not that crazy when teams are like, Hey, especially when you see analysts and stuff are talking about Detroit as like, could this team somehow find their way in the NFC championship game? Absolutely. Like, I don't think that's far-fetched at all to really, really think about because of how weak the NFC is right now. However, in terms of where, like how much talent is on the team experience, all this stuff, they're not like a Kansas city or even like a New York jets or a since they're not one of those teams. They're not. Um, but in the NFC, could they rattle off a ton of wins and get over nine and a half wins? Absolutely. But I think nine and a half is actually a pretty spot on number for this team. And I'm frankly, I'm really excited to see what they look like. You know, Jared Goff played really, really well last year, other than like his second season uh, when they went to the Super Bowl. When uh, his well, his second season with McVay, his third season overall, you know, Jared Goff last year, probably the best season of his career. They have a really fun running back room. Everyone loved, I mean, no one loved Jameer Gibbs where they drafted him, but everyone loves the player. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown has become one of the best players in uh, all of, uh, especially that position. He's somewhere yeah. in the top 10 to top 15 wide receivers. Uh, Jameson Williams will be suspended for part of the season, but another guy that people had a lot of excitement about. Marvin Jones Jr., uh, just super consistent player for them, comes back to Detroit after he had left for a couple of years to go get the money in Jacksonville. Uh, and on top of it, too, and this is the, the number one thing you love about Detroit, they have probably the second best offensive line in football behind the Philadelphia Eagles. Their offensive line is loaded. Uh, they have studs all over the place. PFF graded them as the number two offensive line last year. Uh, They have a ton of young talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. Aiden Hutchinson really showed like I was wrong about him and it only took like five games for me to be like, yep, I was wrong about Aiden Hutchinson. Sorry, my bad. I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me. Um, But there's a lot to like here. Uh, Some unfortunate news that came out today. Yeah. um, CJ Garner Johnson was carted off the field after a non-contact knee injury. Um, I'll say this. I mean, all of us have been following football for a long time. I can't ever remember hearing of a non-contact knee injury that wasn't 
a torn ACL. Obviously, we don't want to speculate, um, but I've never heard of one, and I, I don't think you guys have either. Um, so that's a huge loss for them if he is, in fact, out for the season. He was uh, someone who was really, you know, huge playmaking type guy. We saw his success in Philadelphia last year. That's a big time loss for this Detroit team if he is, in fact, done for the year. Um, but it, even without him, there is still a lot of talent here. Brian Branch, the rookie uh, out of Alabama, uh, he comes in. Yeah, that draft was insanely good. Yeah, and and he should have a chance. No one really liked the Jack Campbell pick either, but I'll tell I you what, it. when he Sneaky comes in good. and if he comes in and plays right away and is a really good linebacker with what they got out of Malcolm Rodriguez last year, um, that's going to be a fun linebacking room too. They have Alex uh, Anzalone too, who was a really, really good player. That's a fun linebacker room. Dude, I, I got to say, I love Jack Campbell. This pick, to me, he's 6'5". Like, this is not your average middle linebacker. And he was an Iowa guy, right? You're talking about that Big Ten middle linebacker asked to do everything, and he did it. And he was 6'5". Like, he's the perfect guy to translate that tough-nosed football into the NFL. Dan Campbell, lo- like, must have been so excited yeah. to make this pick. Like, this is – he's like, what? He's foaming at the mouth. Yeah, to bite more kneecaps. This is like – this dude would totally bite kneecaps for him. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. It's like, it's a perfect Dan Campbell guy. And that's what everyone said. And yeah. if he ends up being a really, really good player, good. But they also took him, what was it? Like 20 was it, was it that? Yeah. It was 18th overall. 18. It was in the um, teens. Yeah. Which is a little high. I love the, the tight end. They drafted out of Iowa, Sam Laporta. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to help that offense a ton. Um, I think he's going to be, especially after trading away TJ Hawkinson last year, you got, get a younger guy who you're going to get on the young contract, another Iowa tight end, um, and a very good receiving one at that. So I think adding him to the rest of the skill position guys, and the, the biggest thing about Detroit, and this is something that we talked about, uh, with the Eagles the other, uh, last week is that the Eagles lost their offensive and defensive coordinator, right? The fact that the Lions were able to keep Ben Johnson is such a massive win for them. I mean, he easily, easily could have gotten a head coaching job last year, but he pulled his name out of, out of multiple things and bringing him back with that offense, you know, the, the gambling stuff with Jameson Williams and all that, like that sucks, but he's missing, I think six games. So you're still going to get him for the majority of the season. Um, I like Detroit, man. Like I'm, I'm kind of bullish on them. And honestly, for the amount of talent that's on this team, for the fact that they're not, their schedule isn't like insanely easy, but it's also not that hard either. Like, I think there's definitely at least 10 wins on this schedule. And I'm not convinced that anybody else in the NFC North is really going to be a super competitive team, barring like a huge jump from Justin Fields in year number, what, three for him. To me, the other thing that's very underrated about when you talk about this team making a run is people forget that Jared Goff like went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's not really associated with him because you, you everyone associates the offense with Sean McVay. That's who did it, right? But it's like no, someone had to make the throws and read the defenses. And like, yeah, they have to ass kicked in the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong, but like Belichick, that was one of the best defenses he's ever put together. And and not to mention, they, they torched some teams in that playoff run. So, like, it wasn't all defense, like, of them getting there. It's right. It was an offense centric uh, team, and he was the quarterback, but somehow he doesn't get credit for a lot of the success. And, like, I think that's going to come back to help him in the long run in Detroit, because I do think they're going to make the playoffs. And I think that when they're in there, 
you look around at like, oh, this guy's been in one playoff game too. He's already been in what four, three, and then yeah, four, five. no, yeah, because like, he played in multiple games his first year um, in the mm-hmm. postseason, and then I think they lost in the divisional round, and then he had the run to the uh, to the Super Bowl, um, and I think they got back to the playoffs too, if I'm not mistaken, after they lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they also you you know what I saw the other day. Oh man, I wish I I earmarked this. Um, it's literally my other apartment. Uh, but uh, it is that of the last twenty years, any quarterback that's gone to the Super Bowl and lost has not has not gone back. back. Yeah, no, I I did I did see that stat, and I don't like so that I hope, stat. I hope uh, not a fan. Yeah, not a not <laughs> oh, a fan of that stat. Nope. Yeah. That's, that's that's false. It's made up. Yeah. Uh, it's fake news. Don't yep. listen to Jaylen's it. Jalen's gonna do it this year. You know, just me- media narratives. You know, it's all that's all it is. It's not a real stat. <laughs> no, it's no, totally it's fake. Going. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, look, man, I'm, I'm glad we brought up this golf thing because, like, I think it, it goes underrated. You see a lot of dink and dunk. It reminds me a lot of like uh, a quarterback he probably grew up watching uh, and modeling his game after. After is Alex Smith. Um, yeah, a little bit. It's a yeah. lot like that short, like dink and dunk, get high completion percentage. The he's like top four in the league in in air yards for for yard, uh, throws of ten plus, twenty plus, thirty, and forty plus yards. A lot of that uh, has to do with uh, with his outside receivers. Jameson Williams had a, a couple of explosive plays last year, um, but his big play completion rate is like somewhere down in the Davis Mills range, like three point five percent. So. He's hitting the sticks a lot, but and he's getting a lot of yards after the catch from uh, from Amon Ross St. Brown. He's going to be explosive again, I think, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, was was uh, I think he's third in, in, in the league last year in yards after the catch. Uh, beyond guys, I'm talking about guys like Devonte uh, Devonte Adams and, and Justin Jefferson territory uh, in yak. So he can yak him up with the best of them, and I think to that point, though, like of Ben Johnson coming back. Like, I think that's a huge thing because we saw how much more confidence he has in the offense when uh, golf is able to control the line of scrimmage is able yeah. to help, you know, uh, audible out of some of these things and, and, and gets better at recognizing what the defense is throwing at him and what game management dictates. And I think that's where you see a lot of that, like, Hey, I'm going to take what's given to me. Uh, I'm not going to try to force a ball. Like, like he did in his first few years downfield and then throw a ton of interceptions. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a huge credit to, to, uh, their offensive coordinator and a huge, uh, credit to his game development. Like, uh, so I, I really think that that takes a similar step this year. Um, especially when, with added weapons, uh, on the offense, you know, you get Jameson Williams back after six games, but you've got Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield who can utilize. You've got David Montgomery who's going to open up some stuff on the run game. You've got Marvin Jones Jr. who's a tried and true, like like 40-catch, 800-yard guy in the NFL throughout his career. Uh, you got Sam Laporta as a tight end, uh, as, as a rookie who's probably going to play a lot uh, and, and help bail Jared Goff out on some of those uh, plays. So I, I, I like the way that the offense is shaping up for sure. Yeah. Well, and they, they also just traded for Denzel Mims, who, you know, going into his third season, uh, kid out of Baylor, who didn't really work and was also in a very, very crowded wide receiver room in uh, New York with the Jets. So, Beatster too, you know, yeah. hey, you know, 
at that point, it's a low risk, high reward kind of a move. And, you know, you're going to have open wide receiver reps with James Williams not not being allowed to play for the first six games. Marvin Jones Jr. is still hurt, too. So the wide receiver room kind of is a Mount Ross St. Brown and maybe some Marvin Jones Jr. until they get to, um, you know, week number six. And then it'll open up a little bit. But I I love what you were saying there, Vito. And both you guys were talking about this, too, with the Ben Johnson thing. Um, yes, McVeigh gets the, a lot of the credit and probably the vast should get the majority of the credit with those Rams teams and how open those wide receivers were and the job making the job that Jared Goff have to do significantly easier. But I also find that there are quarterbacks who can make easy throws with good offensive coordinators, kind of like what Baker looked like with Kevin Stefanski that first year when they would run those bootleg play actions and there was just a lot of open things. And it was fine, right? It would work, but it'd be enough to get you like nine to 10 wins. Jared Goff becomes like a top 10 statistical quarterback when he works with guys like that, whether it was Ben Johnson last year or the early Sean McVay years with uh, with him in, in St. Louis and then obviously in Los Angeles as well. So I think Jared Goff becomes like not just like a good enough quarterback to win you 10 games. He becomes like a good enough quarterback to win you like 12 to 13 games and maybe compete for a one seed. Uh, with a really, really good offensive coordinator and a team that has weapons around them. And this team has both of that. The defense is still young. That was like the one thing we talked about because this Lions defense had issues last year. Um, It looked like they had done enough things to kind of address it in the offseason. Unfortunately, with what we saw to J. Garner Johnson today, that's a huge loss for them. Um, Manuel Mosley, who's their starting right corner, he's starting off on the pup list, which is not great for them. Uh, But I think they'll be better stopping the run, which was a big Achilles heel for them. And I think they'll be better at passing or rushing the passer. They have James Houston still kicking around, still playing uh, paired up with Aiden Hutchinson uh, with some solid interior defensive line guys. I like this Detroit team. And I, even if nothing else, even if they don't even win the division, which I'd be shocked if they had the over on this at 10 wins and didn't win the division, the division, But if they didn't, I still see at least 10 wins on this schedule. I mean, typically when we do this, you look at wins, games that you're like are guaranteed like wins on like a lock. This win is a lock right now. With their schedule, I'm looking at it from the reverse and like which of these are guaranteed losses. And to me, it's like Kansas City in week one to open off the season. And then you kind of have to go all the way down to like Dallas in week 17 for me to be like, that seems like a definite loss for this team. And even still, I mean, you have the chargers in there, but those are like the only three really challenging games on this entire schedule. It's Seattle, it's Atlanta, it's green Bay, Carolina, Tampa Bay. They do have Baltimore. So I should include Baltimore on, on a potential loss list as well. Um, Vegas, Chargers, Chicago twice, Green Bay twice, New Orleans, Denver, and then you get two Minnesota games at the end of the year. Like all of these games are winnable with the exception of like Kansas City. Other than that, I think this team could legitimately win any of these games. And I, I would not be surprised. And uh, or, sorry, Detroit should win any of these games that I wouldn't be surprised. So I'm, I'm bullish. I'm taking the over. I think nine and a half is too low with how easy their schedule is and what at least the bare minimum is. Cause if you're taking the under, that means you think that they're basically the same team as last year. And Minnesota is not as good as they were last year. Uh, Green Bay is not as good as they were last year. And that's just within your own division. 
I have a hard time believing they're not going to get to at least 10 wins. Yeah. Uh, and you talked about the defense, their Achilles heel last year, and then we saw them fire their defensive coordinator yep. uh, or their secondaries coach, which one was, I think it was the secondary coach um, in week eight. And all they did was go eight and two after that, their defense played better. And then they got better in the off season on paper. So uh, at least, so I think um, if that was the thing that was holding you back and the offense stays relatively stagnant, I think David Montgomery at running back is a lateral move from, from Jamal Williams. Um, uh, if you're asking him to be the guy though, without Deandre Swift there, that might be the biggest question mark on offense on defense. I think they're, they're, they're ready to go. Uh, and, and they'll be a lot better than they were last year, which to me means, you know, uh, defense wins a lot of football games in the NFL. Uh, so if you're talking a team that was nine and eight last year with a pretty, pretty bad defense by statistical category numbers, uh, even advanced metrics, uh, I, I do think their schedule is a little tougher or will shape out to be a little tougher than it looks right now. Um, Cause I think some of these teams that you're looking at on here that are, that are uh, that you said, Jeff could, they could win any of these uh, the Broncos, the chargers. Uh, I mean, those are, would be, don't worry, those would be, mind. they'd be but, good wins, but I'm saying that like, if Detroit is as good offensively as we think they can be, I think yeah. they can absolutely hang with those teams, including For Dallas sure. as well. For sure. I think I just think there's a bunch of swing games on the schedule. That's why I'm gonna hang with with I'm gonna take the over still. I have them at 10 and 7. 10 and 7. <laughs> I have the exact same thing. <clears throat> um and and I even have the Broncos winning. But no, I, I just I got 10 wins. I think they could easily have a lot more than that, to your point, Jeff. Like there are some if they get hot, especially with the kind of game they're playing, if their defense is great and they're running the ball well. That, that game translates, that goes on the road well. They're going to win a lot of games this year. I'm excited yeah. to see what happens, man. Good for Detroit. Good for fucking Detroit. This That's is how I cool, feel. a cool year for them, man. I have them at 12 wins, by the way. I have them at 12. Wow. Um, almost almost at 11. 11 felt kind of right, but I don't know. I just, I just think that's going to be a really much easier schedule. But then again, it's the Lions. So <laughs> it's one of those franchises where you're like, I know it changes every year and all that, but like, yeah, it's still the Lions. Like, you know, but hey, they had some really good runs with Stafford too and in, in, in those era teams, right? So, all right. Uh, up next, we have the defending champions of the NFC North, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, yeah. So this, this thing with the Vikings, man, I don't know it's hard typically to like look at a roster and be like this team got like it, it looks for the most part like the same team. And yet I think they're just going to be so much worse this year than they were last year. And part of that is because of the insane variance of their season last year, right? The, the wins above what the mean should have been the regression to the mean for all of those games, those one possession games, like, wasn't it like 13, out of their 17 games were one possession yeah. games, 12. And they were um, all wins. Yeah, and they won like yeah. all of them. Like that just – that doesn't happen in the NFL, and it's not repeatable. So just based off of the regression alone, you expect that they're going to drop off at least some to some degree. Now, the things they still have going for them are obviously Justin Jefferson. Um, they have younger guys who played really good on the offensive line – who are now older, more experienced, Bradbury, Christian Darisau. But I do think offensive line is still, and particularly depth on the offensive line, like right now they don't have a left guard listed. 
for for the backup. Um, now, of course, a lot of it's because they have backups who, who are lined up and able to play multiple positions, but just not a ton of depth there. Um, this defense was a massive problem for them last year. And the only I mean, look, they changed coordinators, which is a big change. Uh, they go out and get Brian Flores, which like, look, Brian Flores is one of the best defense coordinators yeah. in football. Right. Like and that's kind of where he made his his, you know, his living there before becoming a head coach. So you expect just that change alone should be enough to see a, a pretty big swing for this defense, but I still don't love it. You know, there's still, I mean, Danielle Hunter is like the only edge rusher that are like pass rusher really that scares you on this Mark team. Davenport, um, who they invested a lot in and, and ended up losing Zedaria Smith over. Yeah. And not only that, Marcus Davenport had kind of only been a disappointment from where he was drafted. Solid player, like not a bad player. Just like if he's like your one of your best pass rushers, you don't have a lot of really high end pass rushers on yeah. this team. Dalvin um, Tomlinson in Cleveland too. That was a big loss. Yep. Um, and then I don't know. I mean, so there's also a story. I guess it broke today. I didn't get a chance to read it. Um, Jordan Addison, the rookie out of uh, Pitt and USC, um, got pulled over going 140 miles an hour because there was a, and what, what he said was there was a dog emergency. Um, hey, this, like, I get yeah, that. This, this broke literally like three hours ago. So uh, it was last week because his dog was having an emergency at home. Um, and there was a citation filed Monday. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I can't judge him on that. Well, yeah, 12 times out of 10, I'd be driving that fast to go save yeah, my dog. Yeah, for my dog, fuck it. I didn't have my license when my dog was having an issue in California. I stole my parents, the true story, stole my parents' car to drive it to the vet because I was just like, I, I, I got to go. And I didn't have my license in, yeah. my permit, nothing. I just went. It's a good, it's wow. a good lad. <laughs> That's, yeah. uh, I think the, uh, What's what's that whole the ex, the expiration date on laws? Oh How's yeah, that work yeah. Again? Uh, the, the statute um, of limitations. Statute Thank of limitations. You. Yes. Hey, we're you. good. We good. Um. Yeah, the statute of limitations. I think you're. I think you're probably good, Vito. Um. But yeah, so I I don't know what that will mean if there'll be any sort of jail time that will come with that. I I, I would hope not. But as someone who can not myself personally, but has had people around me who have, have gone very fast in cars uh, recently. I can tell you could be a concern. Um, anywho, I do like the addition of Jordan Addison. I do think he fits very well with what Kirk cousins and what Kevin O'Connell, what this offense likes to do. I do think we're going to see a pretty steep drop off in the running game. I mean, I know, look, like we, we talked about last episode, Vito, Scotty and I about the whole paying running backs, you know, situation and, and all that. Um, Alexander Madison is fine. Supplementally. You know, when you right. need to pull him in, he's he's not Dalvin Cook. Like Dalvin's not Dalvin, a bell cow. Yeah. Dalvin Cook had what 1,400 rushing yards last year, um, was top five in, in rushing, like had a really, really good year, is a really fucking good player. Alexander Madison consistently behind a, a, a solid but not great offensive line is not going to be a huge difference maker. And it may not matter. Like the offense still might be fine because you have Justin Jefferson and you add Jordan Addison and stuff, but no more Adam Thielen, which was a nice safety blanket to have. Um, and now it's Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison. I don't know. I just, there's a lot of things that make me feel like, look on paper, the team isn't a ton different, right? The, the biggest people that they lost were 
you know, solid players. Darius Smith, obviously, is a really good player. Dalvin Cook is a really, really good player, but not like complete game record type players. And yet I still feel like this team's going to have, I mean, they won 12 games last year. Um, I still feel like this team's going to have like a five or six win drop off. Wow. wow. I, I'm deep. That is. I, wow. I, I, here's the thing. I think that losing Dalvin Cook takes whatever their offense was and you can basically reduce to 70% of what it was or 80% of what it was. It's, it's just not going to work as well. You're, Dalvin Cook, I think, is underrated somehow for how great of an NFL running back he is. I mean, this dude, this dude carried Minnesota for a little while there. And, and not to mention, he took a lot of literally. Uh, yeah, he I think he what he does to defenses and how you have to game plan for him. Like Madison does not demand the same amount of respect to your point, Jeff. Like it, it's it, he's he's a great number two. Like the combo is amazing with both of them, but he's. This isn't, in my opinion, this is not a LaDainian Tomlinson, Michael Turner situation from back in the day when Darren Sproles was three as well. Like that was an elite stacked running back group. Yeah. I don't think this is on that caliber. I don't think he's going to have the similar breakout that Michael Turner even did. Well, he's also Uh, not old or he's not young. Like Alexander Madison's played in the league for like five or six years. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. He, the thing is, is is, um, with this team, especially, I think it's very under, Value and underrated how much Dalvin Cook did with the linebackers and how much that opened up stuff for Kirk Cousins. We'll see what happens. Again, whole new whole new situation this year. But the one thing I will say is I am higher on the offensive line than you guys. I'm, I'm faithful. I just – I don't know. I like a couple of the guys they got. I love Cleveland, the left guard. Uh, he's like – or if he ends up at left guard. Um, that, that's like someone I absolutely love. And uh, I think – even O'Neal in the right tackle spot, like they have some good players and uh, I, I know they had some moments, but I'm, I'm actually excited about the line. We'll see what happens. But um, I it's, think that was the main reason on why they were also playing well as a line. So what do you, what I, do you think? I, I think hold, so hold, real too. quick. Let me clean up my Alexander Madison thing there. Sorry. This is his, this is going to be his fifth year. He's 25. So he's, he actually is still pretty young. I was, I was wrong on that. Yeah. But he's done a lot of year. like where, like, cause like, Dalvin Cook is, has been relatively banged up over his the last He's three got years at least. Four, 400 career carries over, and we over talked four seasons. Almost every year over the past three or four in fantasy, it's like, dude, you got to pick this guy up as the handcuff because you know Dalvin's going to get injured, right? Yeah. And, and it was it was money in the bank, and every time he came in, he was good. Now, granted, that was not, with for the most part, with a team that had Kirk Cousins throwing the ball really efficiently, that had uh, a good – a set of wide receivers and a decent tight end. Now they're better at tight end with TJ Hawkinson after the trade for last year. Absolutely. At wide receiver. I like Jordan Addison. I I love how he played in college. I think he's going to be a great professional. I love him this year, even more if that wide receiver, if he's not number two in that wide receiver room, if he's number three with, Mm. with JJ and Adam Thielen and then Jordan Addison. uh, Right. Because the problem is that Kirk Cousins had one of the fastest pop times off of the ball, like the, the fastest uh, release times, because he had to, because he was he led the league in in uh, amount of times that a quarterback got hit with 131 hits. It's because of also, his offensive line sucked. It was terrible last year, and it's a year older, but not any better. Like, I, I don't see where, where that isn't the biggest gap of this team, and I think it's going to be a huge problem if you watch quarterback, you saw how banged up Kirk Cousins was in by by the middle of the year, let alone the end of it in the playoff game. Um, 
I mean, uh, the the poor guy, I feel for him. Like, uh, you want to take the next step. It's 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 going to be him being able to have time to throw the ball and make the right decision, not uh, not take a dumb sack or or get hit really hard and, and have to bring in Nick Mullins or or, or yeah. what, what have you. You know. But I, um, I do think part part of that though. I mean, yes, yeah, some of it was on Kirk Cousins, like and, and the offensive line. Part of it too is like he had one wide receiver who was really getting se- separation. Like I, everyone loves Adam Thielen. He last year was like kind of him starting to fall off the cliff a little bit. He was not getting separation. He was banged up for most for a good chunk of the season as well. The hope is with someone young, significantly more explosive, uh, and, and who kind of specializes yeah. in getting open. That's yeah. like kind of Jordan Addison's whole bread and butter. Like I think it's kind of interesting, like how they have it lined up. Like I think Jordan Addison's going to play out of the slot a lot. I yeah. also think they're going to be able to put him outside. Be on the outside. Yeah. I think they'll be able to pull, put him on the outside a lot too to help give you that outside burner guy. But I think being able to play because you also want to be able to play J- Justin Jefferson out of the slot. Um, but I think you're going to be able to put Jordan Addison in the slot and move him around the field and do a bunch of different things. And I think any wide receiver is gets has better numbers, or at least has better opportunities when you play with a guy like Justin Jefferson, right? Like look at like Eagles with Devontae Smith and, and AJ Brown, right? And a really, really high powered yeah. offense. You can have two guys who have monster years. You can have two guys who get over a thousand yards receiving, but it's, and part of that is because you're, you're making defenses choose or, or you're setting teams up to have an open guy over the middle, or you're going to have the forgotten guy, you know, the Quez Watkins who will break down the you know middle of the field for wide open. Like that could be Jordan Addison could be KJ Osborne. I think TJ Hawkinson is going to benefit a lot from having more mm-hmm. explosiveness, but you're absolutely right. If you don't have time or if, you know, Kirk cousins continues to do the Jimmy G thing, which is just, get the ball out before other things even open up and only take the short check down shit, then yeah, like I, I the, the offense is not going to be able to work, especially without a, a strong offensive line and a really, really good running back. Not having Dalvin Cook is definitely a bummer. Um, and the thing is, too, is after Alexander Madison, like they really don't have a lot uh, either. I mean, Ty Chandler right now is their, their, uh, their backup, who was a fifth-round draft pick a year ago, so not a ton of depth there. And Brian Flores should make the, any defense significantly better than what it was. But again, there's a season, there's a ceiling to this kind of a defense where there's just not a ton of talent. And I think that's going to be Minnesota's downfall. So, uh, yeah, I, Vito, we'll start with you. Minnesota over under eight and a half wins. I'm going to go ahead and say under. I'm going to go with eight and nine. I think – nah, flip me. I'm going to go nine and eight. I'm sorry. I'm going to go nine and eight. All right. Why, why the switch? Um, I was basically focusing on Dalvin, but I, I really do think that um, this offense on the outside, I, I think there's still enough with Kirk Cousins there to, to get them a ninth win. Like they're still – they still have key players at the right spots, I think. We'll see. But he's he's been able to do it so far. It's a tough job, don't get me wrong. But the fact that he has such a quick release, they can get away with this. And I I, I just think that they're gonna be able to do it. Harrison Smith, he's have back bounce back here too. But yeah. Scotty, what about you? Yeah, uh I'm I'm kind of there. I, I think uh I agree wholeheartedly on the offense. I think it's gonna be 
a bit more like pulling teeth than it was last year where they could get Dalvin going and then open up stuff for, for JJ or, or any of the other uh, Hawkinson, particularly after that, after that trade, I think you'll see a lot more of that this year on defense, even though they lost their, their four best defenders, statistically Peterson, Cameron Dantzler, Chan, uh, Chan and Sullivan, and Duke Shelley. Um, I, I think uh, a, an unproven guy like Andrew Booth Jr. in the secondary, uh, uh, Caleb Evans, uh, rookie Makai Blackman, who they drafted. Um, Lewis Seen's going to be coming back after a really devastating injury uh, in, in the middle of the year last year. I think uh, I think Brian Flores is, is up to the task of, of developing that defense uh, because that's that's what he's done. Uh, that's his bread and butter, as you said, Jeff. So uh, I think uh, that keeps them in uh, a lot of games. I think it's going to look a little a little similar to last year, where there are a lot of close games, a lot of good wins. Uh, and I'll take the over at eleven and seven. Wow, eleven and six. Eleven and six. Sorry, yeah, bad math. <laughs> eleven and six. Um, I'm I'm definitely on the over, or sorry, on the under here. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was crossing. I accidentally wrote uh, the wrong thing under vetoes. Um, I'm, I'm taking the under here. Um, and part of that reason is because when you look at like, we, like I like to do when I'm looking at schedules and the way that my brain kind of sees it, right. I'm looking for like the big games that you can kind of write off right away. And I'm looking for how much in the middle is there, right? Like that, that little gray area. So like they play at Philly, they go, they have the chargers, they have the chiefs, they have the Niners, they have uh, Cincinnati on the schedule. That's Five real, like very unlikely wins for them for games where it'd be very surprising if they won any of those games, right? And then you look on the other side, right? And there's about five games that I feel pretty confident they're 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 gonna win, right? Tampa Bay, Carolina, um, I would put Atlanta, New Atlanta. Orleans, Denver. Yeah. But again, I think either New Orleans or Atlanta, I think one of those teams is gonna be better than people think. Like I know we're all kind of writing off the NFC South, but I don't think they're gonna be that bad. Um, Vegas, right? So you have games in there that you feel pretty good about. And then how do you see them kind of pull, you know, pulling it out in the division? I think they're going to struggle in the division because the Vikings lose dumb games in dumb ways. And they're not going to, I think you're right, Scotty. I think a lot of these games will be close, but there's going to be games like Atlanta. There's going to be games like New Orleans that they're just not going to show up for weird bounce one way or another. I don't think they're going to get that luck on their side this year. I think it's too many in between games and too many divisional games that they would have to win to get over that eight and a half win mark. Um, I think if they do, I think it's nine. I think, I think nine wins is, is like the max I see them getting here. Um, but I'm going to put them in eight and nine um, and, and take the under just slightly. Um, but I don't know, man, it's, it's another team that again, like, one Justin Jefferson injury and they're fucked, you know, like that. This, this becomes like a, a top 10 draft pick team. Oh yeah. If, if, yeah. if they're one, and then you can say that for a lot of teams, but not when it's like a wide receiver, you know, cause they're just that dependent on just a couple of key guys. Um, that if yeah, one like thing even happens, if, if the Bengals lose to chase for the year, they're going to be okay. Yes, exactly. Right. right? It, that's, that's a good point. It's a good, good call. Uh, all right, let's go now to, the Green Bay Packers. Um, I said it too again. The Packers and Bears are both at seven and a half wins. And one of these teams is going to be over and one of these teams is going to be under is how I kind of see it. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff about this Green Bay Packers team, particularly like, hey, we're going to see a new quarterback playing in Green Bay for the first time in, what, uh, 15 years. Um, 
which is always just a, a ton of fun. I, I like seeing teams that you're so used to seeing one face and one person and one number behind, you know, under center. And now it's just totally different and, and it'll still look and feel like it's the Packers, but what version of Jordan love do we see? Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Now there's things I like about this green Bay team. Like I think their offensive line ironically is actually going to be healthy for the first time in the last couple of years. Like David Bakhtiari is finally going to be back and finally be healthy. Uh, John Runyon jr. Who's, who's become a really, really good interior offensive lineman. Uh, uh, they have a new right tackle, uh, their left guard. Like, I like this offensive line. Um, still curious to see what we're going to see out of this skill position group. Um, they lost uh, my guy. Who was the, the tight end there? Bobby Tons. No more Bobby, Bobby Tons. Yeah. Where did he well, sign? They drafted Luke Musgrave, though. I don't, uh, good question. Zach Parker's getting one. Yeah. Um, they did draft Luke Musgrave, who was uh, definitely one of the more exciting picks um, for this team, at least when you're looking at potential skill position guys. Luke Musgraves oh. out of Oregon State. You know, you know where Bobby Tuns went? No. The team we're talking about next. Oh, oh, that's Ooh. right. I did know that actually. Um, uh, but this seems so really he's dead to Packers fans. So yeah. true, true. <laughs> uh, this team's gonna be very dependent on on a couple of things uh on offense because I think the offensive line is gonna be more solid this year. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, right? Can Christian Watson improve on that crazy stretch he had once he kind of turned it on and like he started to look like the burner? first round wide receiver talent that they drafted. And then Romeo Dobbs had a couple of really big games and those guys are either flash in the pan guys or they're guys that stick around and end up becoming really, really good players. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember the dude for the Eagles who uh, came out and had that crazy stretch with Carson Wentz a couple of years ago. Um, he's not even in the league anymore. Like that's how bad it was. He was literally the Eagles leading receiver that year. I'll, I'll, I'll get Zach Parker on it here in a second. Um, but it'll be those two guys developing Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs developing into like true starting, but it, look, it's two second year guys with a first year starting quarterback, which doesn't give you a lot of confidence, but they do have one of the best running back tandems in the NFL behind Aaron jo Jones and AJ Dillon. And one of the best offensive lines in the league in Matt LaFleur, which I think is going to be a huge part of this because if Matt LaFleur can pull, cause we've never really seen him have to do this, right? We haven't seen him do this the way that Kyle Shanahan has and everyone talks about well hey any quarterback can go play for Kyle Shanahan I think there's an argument to be made that you could get a lot of quarterbacks in with Matt LaFleur and they could have very very similar success so I'm really excited to watch what Jordan Love does this year um, and I think that they could sneakily surprise people the defense um, is pretty much a, a very very similar version of the defense that they've thrown out over the last couple of years uh, they won a better year out of Quay Walker, who was a, a rookie last year out of Georgia. Um, Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Kenny Clark, J Jair Alexander, uh, Razul Douglas. It's a lot of the same names, you know, that we've seen. Uh, so which has been not a terrible defense, but I'll probably also not a phenomenal one either. Uh, how do you guys view this overall? Is it like I, I'm curious to get your senses before we get into that, actually of like where you rank on, on a pot, like one to 10, how optimistic you are about Jordan love. Cause he's fascinating. Oof. Real quick. It was Travis Fulgham. Yes. Travis Fulgham. Of. Thank you. Yes. Was it Fulgham? I was going to, I was going to throw out Jordan Matthews as, uh, as that guy. Too. That was before, but now he, that, that was, was with Nick Foles. Fulgham. Yeah. Crazy. But anyway, I, I'm the first time. I'm actually, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually pretty pumped about Jordan love. And I think to your point, it's the first time, 
I would say we have a full-time starting quarterback, right? Like this is the third one in Green Bay since 92. So like since I've been in 31 years, right? This is the probably the third guy to start AC. That's insane. That's insane. Um, and and the fact that like I don't know, he's gonna have all the pressure of that. It's gonna be really hard. Like, like I don't even know Scotty who followed up after after um you had Montana and Young. Like and Young. who was after that? Like it Gar- Jeff Garcia. Garcia. Yeah, Jeff Garcia. Oh, that was actually good too. Jeff Love Jeff yeah. Garcia. Uh, with T.O. Damn. Um a little controversial now though. So yeah. But anyway, <laughs> then uh the point is though, is that like they're in that situation. Like and, and you have a guy who you, you really like, you've had years to like evaluate. Um I don't know. It's time to see put up or shut up kind of for Jordan Love. And my, my money's in his pot, man. I, I think the NFL is better when Green Bay is a good team. And, and I kind of just always root for him because of that. Um, I like Rashawn Gary. I like some of these defensive guys, but I'm high Rashawn on Gary Love. on the pup list. That's your second that you've called out. That's on the pup Dude, list. I need, to, I, I need to read the <laughs> fucking pup list right now. Um, so anyway, I'm going to get this guy a puppers. I'm, I'm too rosy. Guy, I, I, everyone's healthy. It's a new season. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> damn. So, uh, but the, the crazy part is though, is that for Jordan love, like he has a lot of that shit to live up to, but I don't know. I'm really high on him, man. Where, where Scotty, where do you fall on him? Like, are you, I think out of one to 10, I'm saying like eight, eight and a half. I just want, like, I'm that I, I want my buddy, Jeff Martz to be happy. Um, who's a green Bay fan, which pains me because I can't stand green Bay as a 49ers fan. Um, but in any case, I, look, we've seen very limited experience with Jordan Love, right? I, I mean, very, very limited. Um, and the idea that we can sort of extrapolate the, at the same time, extrapolate the limited number of, of snaps that he's had, uh, which were abysmal, by the way, um, over a, a, a full year as the, as the dedicated starter with uh, – Matt LaFleur as your, as your head coach and play caller, I think is, is a poor, uh, a poor error to make uh, as, as an analyst. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence here. Like I can see it going where uh, Matt LaFleur is calling plays and they get comfortable and all of a sudden the offense is clicking and uh, by week 10, 11, 12, we're seeing uh, a green Bay offense that we're, more accustomed to not one with Aaron Rodgers, um, I don't think, uh, especially in year one as a as a starter of of Jordan Love. But who knows? Uh, on the other side, we could see a, a team whose offense is like, yeah, Romeo Dobbs still isn't it. Uh, Christian Watson Christian Watson was made better by the fact that Aaron Rodgers was throwing to him, um, and uh, our running game is is carrying us the whole way, which I think could be a real key for them. Um, is their running game uh, being able to keep uh, AJ Dillon uh, as, as your second guy uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, geez, I'm drawing a blank. Oh my God. Just, Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones. Thank oh, you. Aaron Jones. Yeah. Um, in their running back room is, is going to be huge because that offensive line, like you said, Jeff is going to be able to open up stuff uh, in the run game, which I think will help Jordan love. So on a scale of one to ten, if you're putting five in the middle, obviously, I think I think he's over that hump. I think he's uh, in the six, seven, low eight range um, as as a starter, just because of the situation around it. I my overall Jordan Love thoughts come down to 
I hate that people are referencing the the Kansas City game from a couple of years ago. Do you remember that? That was his first start. Oh, yeah. Um, and every, and I've ugly. heard it referenced, and, and every time I've heard this offseason, people talking about Jordan Love, and they're like, you know, his first start, he didn't really play that well. They completely lost all con- – like, did not include any of the context from that game. Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID three days before the game. Like, he had three – he had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to get ready for that game. So four days technically before the game, but he was thrown in last minute. He was a rookie. They were playing the chiefs and they still almost won the game. Now don't get me wrong. Yeah. He didn't play well, but Kansas city blitzed on 85% of snaps in that game. That's (laughs) That's not amazing. That's like, that is an actual stat. That is like, they sent the house at a rookie quarterback who had a short week to learn what uh, be thrown into. And remember Jordan love was also a raw prospect. So that was really like the first against ever... a, the defending Super Bowl defense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? Well, because the yeah, because it was the so it was the year after Kansas City played Tampa Bay and lost the Tampa. Bay. But no. still, it's the Chiefs. No, it was the 2020 season. Was when Tampa Bay beat. Um, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, Kansas City. Right. I know I'm right. Shut up. <laughs> um, but that defense was st- you know you're still getting Chris Jones and you're getting you know. Uh, uh, what's his name? The the defensive coordinator for Tyron Matthew. Well, yeah, Tyron Matthew was still on the team too. But you got uh, Spagnola blitzing the shit out of you every other play. You know, like more than every other play. Like that's a really really tough first start. Even if you know. Oh, and by the way, they were in Kansas City. Just another quick footnote. That's a really really tough play um, for you know for for a, a first game for any player to come in who's a backup, let alone a rookie. So let's let's throw that out the window. All right, let's talk about when he played last year. He came in on the Sunday night game against Philly when the Eagles offense was like just running up and down the field. It was the game they ran for like 250 yards or whatever. Or they was close. I think they ran for 300 yards and it was like 200, 100, 250 were Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts. Um, and what's like one of the things that we talked about all last year and still did, but even last week when we were talking about Jonathan Gannon, his defenses against bad quarterbacks worked really, really well. Like bad quarterbacks struggled to throw the ball against the Philadelphia Eagles. Part of that's because of the amount of pressure and everything they were getting. And yes, the Eagles were in a lead by the time Jordan Love came into this game. The Eagles had a pretty good lead, but still Jordan Love picked them apart and Jordan Love went down and, and, and hit Christian Watson on that really, really long touchdown run that I can still see in my mind. Cause I'm like, do not fucking blow this game because the Jonathan Gannon defense was doing nothing, but the, the quarterbacks that lit up, Jonathan Gannon defenses were like good quarterbacks. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, hey, again, the Eagles had a 14-point lead in the game and the defense wasn't putting the pedal to it. You know, shut up. Um, You know, the Eagles had this big lead, whatever, and the defense was kind of letting up a little bit because that probably did play into it. That definitely was a part of this. I'm just saying maybe we give a little bit of credit to Jordan Love for stepping up in the middle of the game and actually playing really, really well. So my expectation meter for him is probably at like a four and a half to a five, but my excitement level level for him is at like an eight or a nine. Cause I think the arm talent was there coming out of Nevada. I loved watching him in college. Uh, and I think after sitting for three years and getting a chance to learn from Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, I think Jordan Love could be a pretty damn good quarterback this year. And I'm excited to see what we get. So, uh, all right. With that being said, what else about this package team gets you excited? Or do you guys just want to go into our picks? 
Um, not much. I like they lost some on their defense. Like Adrian Amos was was one of their run stuffing safeties. He used mm-hmm. to party with that guy in college. Um, and, and he was all over the field. Uh, and, and now he's with the Jets. Uh, they lost him. He still got Jair Alexander uh, on the outside. Rasul Douglas on the other corner. Um, so I think their secondary is going to be good. I think the middle of their their uh, uh, the middle unit with the linebackers is going to be okay once Rashawn Gary gets back. Um, and and especially if Lucas Van Ness, I mean, they're going to ask a lot of these these young guys that they that they took in the draft, uh, like Lucas Van Ness uh, and and their tight end Luke Musgrave too. Um, it's but so many I, draft picks. I think it's yeah. I think it's. I think it's 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 going to be good for them on the on the defensive side of the ball because they're going to be able to grow together, um, and, and it's rare to find that as a unit. What concerns me is a guy like David Bakhtiari, who's been with that team for a hundred years and played for three, is that uh, he's coming out and saying stuff like "we're rebuilding," and like, what? Why would you even uh, like? Look, I get it. If you're coming out and saying not to fire your team up because you've got a a, a first time starter uh, coming out there after a, a rain of one of the greatest quarterbacks that will ever play the game likely, um, then fine. Prove me wrong. Um, but, but I, I, that seems weird to me that, that the, one of the leaders of the team comes out and says, we're rebuilding. Uh, don't make any mistake about it. Uh, but you know, they, they, they have a lot of good pieces in place. I think it's just a matter of getting the cogs in, in, in gears together and, uh, and hoping that everything lines up. And I think Matt LaFleur is a good guy to do that with. All right. Uh, Vito, over under seven and a half for the Green Bay Packers. Over eight, barely. Oh, over with eight wins. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's about right. You know, because the thing is too, is the whole NFC North is playing the full NFC South this year. So that's four very winnable games, right? Um, Chicago, I think, is a very beatable team this year. Uh, you would expect, you know, Green Bay to at least pull off a couple of wins within division. Um, they do have some tough games. You know, they have to play uh, Kansas City this year. They have to play the Chargers this year. I have no idea what to expect out of the Raiders this year. The Raiders could win 10 games or three, and uh, either one wouldn't shock me. Um, so, like, I feel like there's some winnable games. They get the Rams. Um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I feel like eight wins is right, which again is why that seven and a half number is right. And and look, if Jordan Love is solid, I think eight wins it feels like the number. If he's bad, if he's just straight up bad, then yeah. this is gonna be a bad football team. And to Scotty's point, like yeah, David Bakhtiari coming out and saying that is a little weird. Now look, he also his boys are there in Rodgers, and they go back a long way. So like, that's very much a part oh, of the, this too. The you dude know, can but, delete a beer, but stay on the field, <laughs> like. But he, I think he's finally kind of healthy right now. Yeah. I don't well, know. we thought I'll, he was healthy last year. Gonna, <laughs> he was I'm like, he's take, coming back next week and next week and next week. I'm going to take the under and I'm going to take them at seven wins. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's exactly where I am. I'm, I'm taking the under at seven wins. Uh, not that Matt LaFleur can't win. I just, it's, there's so many question marks. Um, yeah. There's so many things that have to go right. Um, and granted, your schedule is relatively, uh, easy i think in the grand scheme of things but there's so many things that have to go right yeah. uh for for jordan love to get there and by the way if he gets hurt you know who's playing quarterback you know your boy john clifford is the number two on That's the depth right. chart from he the green bay the packers 
Oh my god! <laughs> Which they better hope so, that, that they better hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I hope for Marcy's sake that does not happen. <laughs> I would right. fucking love to see him run around just slinging it though. Ugh. That would be fun. I want to watch some preseason. All right, now let's move to our final team for today: the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bears. Interesting, interesting team to figure out, right? Um, because like a lot of these teams, it all comes down to how good is Justin Fields going to be? Is he going to be good enough to make that jump to becoming, a, you know, a, a true starting quarterback in the NFL? Self-proclaimed 4,000-yard um, thrower this year. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Uh, and I, I don't think it's that crazy. I think where this team really needs to, like, step up and, and improve in a major way is the offensive line. If he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off, even if they try to do some of that Michael Vick, Jalen Hurts stuff that they were doing last year with designed runs, I don't think it's sustainable for an entire season, let alone a career. And so much of that comes from the fact that, like, they don't know if they have a quarterback who will have enough time to deliver a ball down throw downfield or if he can even see the throws that are downfield because he still struggled with that significantly last year. Uh, I like what they did in getting uh, Deontay Foreman. That's a nice, like, consistent running back room that, again, benefits from playing with a really, really mobile quarterback. Um, him, Khalil Herbert, I think is a really solid running back room. The biggest addition they made all offseason, obviously, getting DJ Moore uh, and all the assets they got from that trade for the number one overall pick. DJ Moore is a really, really good player. And I think we've all really enjoyed watching DJ Moore over the course of his career. He's always been stuck in kind of either quarterback hell or Carolina hell, whatever you want to call it. It hasn't been a good situation for him, no matter where he's been. This feels like it could be a legitimate shot because you have DJ Moore, you have Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool starting the year on the pup list, uh, but they still have Equinemius St. Brown, who's been really solid as well. So you're looking at at least three starting quality uh, NFL wide receivers with Claypool out and with Claypool being healthy, that adds another option. Uh, two really good tight ends in Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon. They spent a first-round draft pick two was it two years ago on Tevin Jenkins, who's their left guard. He needs to play up really big. They had to slide him down from tackle to guard. Darnell Wright was their first-round draft pick this year at right tackle. Which we did not like on this podcast because for a running team to draft a guy who was abysmal against the run uh, and and running upfield, it, it doesn't I, seem we didn't to make, understand that. No, but it should help them in the passing game because you have a really really good pass blocking right tackle who's also a, a physical freak, like a, a monster of a person, which I think will help him. Uh, I think the adjustment period of getting better at run blocking will help. Um, the other thing too is look that Josh Heupel offense at Tennessee where Donald Wright went like that's that's not a running based offense he didn't have to do a lot of it so that kind of falls into it as well um, the defense is just really young um, I loved them going out and getting two veteran guys TJ Edwards <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds but linebackers kind of like the running back of the defense like it's kind of the easiest to plug and play um, there's not a true, like really good pass rusher on this team. Like not one, um, you have guys who might turn into something. Right. And, but this is a team that's going to have to blitz to generate pressure on the quarterback because they just do not have any elite level edge guys, which as we know is pretty important in the modern day NFL. Um, I like what they've done at secondary Jaquan Brisker ended up being a fantastic pick for them. Uh, he played we really know. 
he played really, really well as a rookie. He now is that starting strong safety. Um, I think they improved at the, uh, at the uh, outside corners as well. I just, I don't see how this defense is going to be able to generate pressure. And that gives me a lot of concern. Um, now look, their schedule isn't insanely hard, but if they're going to get over seven and a half wins without like, what do you think is more likely they get over seven and a half wins or have a player who has more than seven and a half sacks because Wow. I, like I would, I would take the wins on that one, bud. Yeah. <laughs> and that just oh, means that just means that they've just dominated offensively, which I just don't think they're capable of, of doing if I'm just being honest. So here's a crazy stat PFF rankings in pass rush on their defense. All of their linebackers are rated than every single one of their edge rushers and defensive interior linemen. Like they don't have, and that's just because they brought in TJ Edwards, Jermaine Evans, and Jack uh, Stanborn is a really good rusher. But like, they don't have anything on the line. They don't have anything. Well, but this is going to be a wild. struggle fest. And you're right; they're going to have to blitz. They're going to leave it open. It, they're going to have some struggles this year. And I think it's mostly defense. I think the offense is going to do it pretty well. What's crazy to me on defense is the two guys they signed, Jermaine Edwards and uh, uh, Jermaine, yeah, Edmonds Jermaine Edwards and, and TJ Edwards. Edwards. Yeah. Edwards. Thank you. That's tough. That's a tough one. Trouble when you have ADHD. Holy smokes. Um, And so those two guys, you bring those two guys in as free agents, but you don't want to pay Roquan Smith, who is a better rusher than both of them, which I don't understand. Because because um, you're you're paying, you're getting, you're paying less for those two guys combined than what you'd be paying for Roquan Smith. And also Roquan Smith, you can send on blitzes, but the real value he he adds to your team is being that traditional Mike linebacker who can fly around the field and make plays and also drop in coverage, which is what Jermaine Edmonds is going to do. And TJ Edwards, uh, both, I think. And I, I think that's where the value is that they're going to be able to fly around, uh, instead of rushing the quarterback, which is worse because now you have nobody to rush the quarterback. You're going to force one of those two guys to, to hit a gap. Uh, so, so that to me is going to be the struggle on defense on offense. It's, it's all on Justin Fields, man. It really is because uh, Khalil Herbert's going to be a great one-two punch with him as a runner. Uh, but obviously, you know, I, and I'm sure Justin will be the first one to tell you, he wants to kind of uncork the ball and throw it a little bit more like he did in college. Uh, we've seen how, how good he, his arm is. We've seen how good his decision-making can be in college. Can he take that next step? I mean, to so, me, like all yeah, of this, Fields is still one of my favorite talents at quarterback. I think talent-wise and speed is like – he is so electric. If he can put this year and take another step, we could be talking about like an all pro season by this, like, like or a pro bowl, definitely. But like getting to that all pro, like third team, you know what I mean? Like he could go off and be in that quarterback discussion. Like Deshaun was before everything happened. Right. Like, I don't know. We'll see. That's the high ceiling for so him. But I, I want to touch, I want to touch on that in a second, because I'm glad you brought that up. Vito. I just did some little quick, quick research. Um, Combined, all of their defensive ends on both sides have a combined 14 and a half career sacks. Set seven of seven of which came from Demarcus Walker. So take oh out God. take out one guy who also, by the way, is going into his seventh NFL season and has seven career sacks. 14 and a half sacks combined in their careers for their defensive ends. Not great, Bob. Um, 
But Vito, to your point there, talking about the, 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 can he take that leap? It's pretty easy to look back through the last couple of years and look at guys who've looked like Justin Fields and how special of an athlete that he is. And you can look at what helped those guys jump, right? For Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, when he had his MVP season, it was he had somewhat level of consistent wide receiver play. He had Mark Andrews, who turned out to be an all-pro type guy. He had a really, really good offensive line, and he had a really good offensive coordinator that curtailed the entire offensive scheme to stuff that Mark, that uh, Lamar Jackson did really, really well. Look at Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts had an offensive coordinator the first time since he was in high school that he had the same offensive coordinator in back-to-back seasons. He had the best offensive line in football. He had two top A1 category type wide receivers, also a top five tight end, and a really, really good running game. How many of those things, in either case, does Justin Fields have? They started to kind of curtail the offense to stuff that he did well halfway through last year, but that was out of necessity because they literally couldn't move the ball in any other way. They did go out and get at least one really, really good wide receiver, but the offensive line is still terrible. He doesn't have a whole lot of receiving options outside of DJ Moore and Cole Komet. Well, I mean, Dar- Darnell Mooney is a really solid player when he's healthy, but he's and, no more than like a number two. And Robert Tunyon now. Now you've you got Robert two Tunyon, tight ends, you can run we, 12. Which they might end up running more 12 personnel this year. They absolutely could, right? I mean, you have two guys who could, you could have on the field at the same time. But it's got to look a lot like a Greg Roman type of offense for them. I, for, I feel, for me to feel like Justin Fields has a chance to be in that, like, all pro, pro bowl. Because, I mean, the running stats are still probably going to be insane. Because he's going to have to just scramble for his life. But this offensive line is not good. And that he does, he's not going to have a defense that's going to keep them in games too. Like that's part of the problem when they're down 21 to three, you know, or 21 to seven, you know, in the second half and they have to throw the ball and it's just him going to be dropping back and throwing it. He's going to bust some of those crazy runs, but whatever they do, it's not going to be consistent. It's going to be more hero ball from Justin Fields, which for the record is not his fault. I don't think it's his fault that the, you know, I, I still think he could be a really, really good player. But he needs to be in a system where he can be protected. He has the right offensive minds. And look, I hope that they continue to curtail this offense to what he does best like they did halfway through last year because he became one of the most like watchable and most fun players to watch throughout the entire NFL. I still don't think that's going to translate to on-the-field success. And I think it's going to be more of the same. I think it's going to be more of like, look at that unreal Justin Fields 45-yard run. And then it's going to be like, oh, wait, yeah, they're down 28 to 17, you know? And it's like, oh, it's the fourth quarter. This game doesn't even, you know, this game's over already. Um, Which is why, like, I'm hammering the under on the Chicago Bears. Seven and a half wins feels like way, way, way too many. And I know part of the reason that line's getting driven up is because there's people who are looking at Justin Fields and what Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson have done recently and a lot of the public money is coming in on the Chicago Bears over. But wow. even this, like, because when it opened up at five and a half, then was at six and a half for a while. Now it's all the way up to seven and a half. So, again, that just tells you where the public money's coming in on, and they don't have a cakewalk of a schedule. 
I, know, I just I, I don't see eight wins on the schedule. No chance. I, I'm if I'm looking at this, I'm closer to five. Yeah. I'm gonna go with five wins and I'm taking the under. And I think it's right. I think I think again, Fields could have an incredible year, but you got to go with what's most likely. Is the first under maybe I'm taking? Um, but I'm high on Fields. Low. It is on, the first under. You're t- it is the first <laughs> under you're taking. And and I'm look, fade they, the public. Oh, <laughs> that's wow, fading okay. the public. Let's make make the case. <laughs> so I, I I think there's a legitimate argument to be made that with the receiving core he had, this is the best receiving core that he has. And granted, Chase Pool Claypool is going to clay come back at some point. So you're talking about uh, DJ Moore, uh, who's uh, a top, I think probably top fifteen or twenty wide receiver when he's in the right system. Uh, and I think he is. I think he's better than uh, that. Chase Claypool, yeah. who's gonna who's gonna be your your go up and get it guy, Darnell Mooney, who's your speedster. You've got two tight ends who are really good at catching the ball. One of whom is also really good at blocking. You've got uh, a solid running back in Khalil Herbert and an even better running back in in Justin Fields. I think if he unleashes it and it has the the a career year and a Pro Bowl type year. I think we're not far off from that 4,000 yards throwing and 1,000 yards rushing. I really don't. And, and to me, that means eight and nine uh, with the schedule they have. Look, I, I know we talk a lot about the – especially with these two – both these teams uh, – both these divisions playing the NFC South, but, like, Tampa Bay is gettable. Uh, Washington might be tough at Washington because that defense is so good. Same with Denver. Um, but, you know, he can go get – the chargers he can get vegas he can go get new orleans he can go get carolina uh he's definitely going to go get arizona and then you split the split all your games in the division uh i think you're talking about an eight-win season for them it it could be i think splitting all the games in the division is a tough ask um and again we'll talk about the nfc south but one of those teams is going to be better than people think not all four of them can't suck you know I mean, and even if they do, it would be like the second time in NFL history we we have like, a, a, not maybe second, this definitely happened more than that. But like, it's very rare that we have a team that's under 500 winning a division and going to the postseason, right? It happens once every four or five years max. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Atlanta, Carolina, I think there might be some friskiness in those teams. Um, and I, I just look at Chicago and I just, I don't see it. That offensive and defensive line, like, Wins come from the trenches. They always do. Um, and they're bad on both sides of the ball. So I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to take the under. I think they get to six wins, though, all right? Because I do think there are wins they're going to get on this on this roster or on, on this schedule. And part of the reason that I think this should be a sign of hope for Chicago fans is that this is year two with Matt Eberflus. If you go from winning two games to six games or two games to seven games, that is improvement. That is growth. You have a lot of young players. Um, you're starting to try to rebuild the culture there. The danger is going to be if, like, next year is a big Justin Fields year, right? And then now we're talking about, oh, you're going to have to pay him soon. Um, but at the same time, like, Justin Fields, it's time to put up a shut up, man. Like, I want to see but some the, wins out the of The danger track. could also be uh, we, we talk a lot about, like, hey, like, they brought in a new coach right after they drafted this quarterback, and maybe that's not his guy. Uh, so the danger could also be like, absolutely. Oh, Justin Fields has a, a terrible year and like the, the ownership and, and, and 
uh, Iberflus, their head coach, are going to be like, uh, this is wasn't, my guy. Wasn't Can us. We, like, yeah. move on from this? They, they've been that, pretty they good. They have a draft capital. Like, they got to remember that trade they just oh, yeah. moved back with. Like, they got yeah. a lot. So, to your point, they have capital coming up. Caleb, and I'll tell you what, too. Like, San Francisco yeah. would love Justin Fields. There are some teams out there that absolutely will take I'd, a shot. I love him. a lot of quarterbacks in and the if, league right now. And if they're bad, at least it would be a quarterback. <laughs> and if they're bad and they can go trade up for Drake May or Caleb Williams next year, or they're bad enough that they're in that conversation, might be worth it. Might be worth it. Yeah. Uh, all right. To recap, um, Scotty has the over on Cincy, under on Baltimore, over on Pittsburgh, under on Cleveland. Over on Detroit, over on Minnesota, under on Green Bay, over on Chicago. Vito has overs on everybody except for Chicago. (laughs) I love Vito so much. Um, And then I have uh, over on Cincy, over on Baltimore, under on Pittsburgh, under on Cleveland, over on Detroit. And then I took the under on Minnesota, Green Bay, and Chicago. So uh, it's funny. Scotty is like perfectly split. Vito's like all overs and I'm definitely more heavy on the unders today, but we'll see. So, uh, one, one question I want to ask before we get out of here. Yeah. Because like these two divisions, I think across the board uh, year after year, really. Um, but I think especially this year are going to be probably the, the most competitive. Uh, they're both the North divisions. We always say they can all split, uh, the season series every year with each team in the division, everybody's going 500 in the division. Um, it's just, that's just how competitive these games get. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone that stands out to you in either the AFC North or the NFC North as, uh, as someone who could be a legitimate contender when we're talking about games in, in January? Cincinnati, definitely Baltimore. If Lamar's staying healthy and I would say Detroit only because I think, if Detroit does have a really, really good year and everything kind of clicks the way it seems, because again, they're good on both sides of the trenches, they could be a factor in the NFC playoffs, right? They, I could see them like playing Dallas in the divisional round or something and, and taking yeah. out Dallas, something like that. Um, I don't think they would be quite a, like a Super Bowl contender, um, but I think Cincinnati and Baltimore could go each of them. If, if either one of those teams is in the Super Bowl by year's end, I would not be surprised. I think deep in the playoffs, I also throw – if Deshaun comes back and is Deshaun that he was before, yeah. with that line and that running game, they could be – and a healthy chub, they could be around and make a run in, in the late months, especially if they can, like, play in some outside north stadiums. You know what I mean? The, yeah. Their game translates really well. That Deshaun well not even though – I would agree. Playoff. I would agree. If he – but yeah. that that's a big if. He has to be that's like – That's a big like, <laughs> He's got to go, like, all the way back to, like, you know – Biggest win share of a single player in NFL history, Deshaun Watson, that year that they won, you know, they won yeah, like eight exactly. games That's or whatever. He's yeah. done it, which is so cool. Like, but now he has more talent, right? Yeah, he's got a lot more talent around him there than he and uh, and probably better coaching, you would say as well with uh, Stefanski, at least offensively. Um, all right, that's all we got. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. We will be back Friday. Uh, I don't think we've picked Vito. Are you going to be around for Friday's pod? I got a bachelor party. Oh, all right. So we'll get a recap from Vito on that when he gets back uh, so next week. So, is, huh? yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're saving the Big Ten because Scotty's got a trip coming, got some stuff coming up. Um, 
So we're going to save the Big Ten for when all three of us can be together, because I know you guys want to be all over that. So And same thing with the SEC. So, yeah, we'll do either Pac-12 or Big 12. There's a lot of fun conversations we had about the Big 12 now with all the changes and the conference realignment taking shape this year. So uh, we'll get that out on Friday. To everyone else, have a wonderful rest of your week. We love you. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Friday. Take it easy, everybody.